everybody, and welcome to another interseason episode of Sequelizers. I am your host, as always, Jack Chambers Ward, and joining me, also as always, it's Matt Stockton. Du musst Sequelizers werden. <laughs> I was not expecting German to kick <laughs> us off. Thanks for that, Matt. Uh, and that gives absolutely nothing away, I think. No, fuck no. <laughs> Even to the Germans. <laughs> and speaking of Germans, it's Tim Matum. Advertising has us chasing cars and clothes, working jobs we hate, so we can sequelize shit we don't need. Oh. That's very true. Yeah, that's good. I feel like we have one of them. Each time one of your quotes is mad and nobody would ever guess it in a million years. And the other one is like, yeah, that's kind of true, actually. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. We've got a rhythm. Yeah. We've got a pattern down. <laughs> and since Tim mentioned it, we are talking about advertising in, in a roundabout way. Mm. We're specifically talking about interesting and novel marketing campaigns for movies in this episode. And that is, it, it kind of seems like, a, oh, it's a weird choice. Like, why would they be talking about that? Well, somebody else told us to talk about it. That's why one of our fantastic VIPs on patreon.com slash said, Oi, I'm paying you money. Talk about the thing I told you to talk about. So here we are. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it works in this interseason. They give us topics to talk about. Such is the contract of Patreon. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. The contract we have signed with the devil himself, aka Patreon. Devil with a capital P. The, the, yes. The, the P is silent. <laughs> <laughs> it's well, not P devil. Like the pebble. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Ptolemy, you know. Yeah, oh, they pterodactyl. Ah. The devil's Greek. <laughs> He's Hades. <laughs> Yeah, it checks out. Yeah. All makes sense. Mm. But you can go to patreon.com slash sequelizers and also get a bunch of cool stuff. You can't, there aren't any slots left to be a VIP, but you get a bunch of other cool stuff. You can get bonus content. We do entire extra bonus content if you go to the £10 tier or higher. Entire bonus episodes during the end season. Movie commentaries during the main season. Outtakes and mad shit we decide, decide to chuck in there sometimes. <laughs> That we're just recording while we're in the room together. Evidence. As it's yeah. known as. For, yeah. For, for future court cases. <laughs> yeah. pretty, pretty much. That, it's been known as like the blackmail list for a while now. <laughs> for like years at this yeah, point. Yeah, yeah, We have all kinds of stuff. I've got, I've got just a zipped file of Matt sounds on my computer that just one day. I, um, Tim, if you could send that over and I'll load it into the, the yeah. studio board. <laughs> and we'll just have Matt, no, Matt mouth noises just playing in, in the background. Oh, they I'll these, do it live. These are noises he makes with his mouth. Oh. I'll do it live. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, like I said, go to the £10 tier or higher. You get all the cool bonus stuff. If you go to any higher tiers, you can also get exclusive merch, discounts on merch. Everyone on Patreon, by the way, gets ad-free episodes and early access to episodes the Friday before they come out on the Tuesday on all the usual public podcast services. But if you go to the £30 tier or higher, you can become an executive producer like these fantastic people have. Canis Rufus. By the way, if anyone here is in marketing or advertising, <laughs> kill yourself. David Selinger. No joke here, really. Seriously, kill yourself. You are no rationalization for what you do. You are Satan's little helpers. And Marcus Lindstrom. Kill yourself, kill yourself, kill yourself now. Now, back to the show. Thank you, executive producers. We very, very much appreciate your support. You make this show possible, like we say so many times. You make this show free for everyone else. But if you go to the highest of the tiers, the aforementioned overlords of sequelizers, in a way, 
the 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 masters that tell us what to do. They are the VIPs. Philip Morgan. Serious, I know the Morgan people are going to be a joke coming out. There's no fucking joke. James McDowell. Suck a tailpipe, hang yourself. Jonathan Firth-Clark. Borrow a pistol from an NRA buddy. Do something. Josh Miles. Rid the world of your evil fucking presence. Okay, back to the show. Stuart Maine. You know what bugs me, though? I know everyone here who's in marketing is now thinking the same thing. Oh, cool. Bill's going for that anti-marketing dollar. That's a huge market. And the VIP that has picked novel marketing campaigns for us to talk about this week. It's Hyper Dude Man. Like, for instance, I saw this. You know what they do to movies now? This, this just drives me crazy. They, they show movies now to test audiences before the movie is released and then change the movie depending on how these 200 random yahoos liked it or did not like it. As though we are all the same. As though we have the same taste. As though, as though, as though. Thank you, VIPs. Thank you so much for your support. It really, really means so much to us. And like I said, you make the show free for everyone else. You make our cool new equipment and all that kind of stuff possible. We very, very much appreciate your support. If you're not able to support us on Patreon, you can, of course, review us on your podcast service of choice, share us around on social media, just tell a person in real life like the olden days. Run into a Walmart and shout in their face. It's actually the most effective marketing technique. (laughs) Oh, there we go. There's a professional marketer, Tim Matum, talking about it right there. It's true. We're going to dive into plenty of marketing right now and we're not going the usual format maybe if you've heard a few interseason episodes before you come to expect we'll kind of cover the definitions and broader topics in the first half and the second half we'll dive into specific picks usually the three of us will go around we'll have a two or three picks each all that kind of stuff doing something slightly different and it was matt's ingenious idea and i appreciate it we're going to talk about 20th century marketing in the first half and 21st century marketing in the second half. That's all right, we're cramming one year into an hour and then 20 years into an hour. <laughs> Not quite. There, there's some older examples that I think are worth talking about. 100 years of examples. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, we're going to specifically talk about unusual, unique, interesting, novel marketing ideas. So... We're not just going to discuss, like, that was a cool billboard or whatever. Nice be poster. Some... Exactly. There will be some of that, because if they do it in a unique and interesting way... But there's going to be a lot of like weird, cool, innovative stuff. And I'm sure listeners out there, your brain's already fine with like, oh, they can talk about this thing. We probably will. We're going to cover a lot of stuff. Mm. It's basically not picks. We're going to kind of cover everything as much as we can as we go through the episode. Mm. And the, the important thing to remember is that most movie marketing at some point was novel and unusual. Yeah. Obviously, a lot true. of it became very standard very quickly. But there's stuff that is incredibly common now that 20 years ago would have been seen as so outlandish and yeah, like definitely. how are you m- gonna make people see a movie doing that <laughs> it's like no that's just what we do now very much so i think we're gonna kick this off because uh, as as jack said this half we're talking about the 20th century from 1900 to 1999 uh, we're not gonna go in order it's not like a big chronological then this happened this happened we're gonna bounce back and forth because this isn't a documentary in that sense. <laughs> um, but more importantly, just to kick us off for a starting bit, because we do mention this quite a lot in the regular show uh, and in the regular season episodes. Uh, what is marketing? Mm. Um, so marketing, for those who Expensive. are... Fucking <laughs> industries and stuff. Yeah. Uh, all of us have worked in and around or for marketing in some capacity, the past, the present, and 
so on. Yeah, mm. that is a weird thing the three of us have in common, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. Mm. Um, and having been in it and now kind of out of it, but sort of still in a, in a, in a capacity with SEO writing stuff. Uh, that, that's my. I've always maintained the Bill Hicks mindset, <laughs> <laughs> which is if you're in marketing and sales, uh, kill yourself. <laughs> kill yourself. <laughs> There's always doing a, a bit. It's a angry dollar. No, dollar no, 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 <laughs> no. Kill yourself because. The, I remember having a conversation with uh, the SEO of a company I worked out with an, an animation studio and he said about marketing and I said, yeah, I don't have a good view of it. I see it as manipulative. I see marketing purely as, um, fuck you, I have a thing to sell, I'm going to sell it to you because you don't need it. It's, yeah, exactly what Tim said at the, in the intro, right? Precisely. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That being said, he countered with something that is actually partly true. It's... That is, a fa- that is an undeniable facet of it. Mm. But marketing is also, people are probably interested in certain things. It's just putting it under their faces so they can go, I might like that. Yeah. That's, that's, that's it. In a way, some of the most effective marketing is, um, and we'll probably dive into this a lot more, especially once we get to the 21st century and the internet comes along, Yeah, um, yeah. is about, finding the people who already want your product or possibly or all they need to do is be aware made aware that it exists <laughs> yes <laughs> because yeah they, most marketing is for stuff that's not necessarily true you know we could all be eating gruel and you know getting <laughs> you know getting our sort of recommended daily allowance of vitamins and stuff it's, that it's way. pronounced huel sorry huel um <laughs> But people, you know, there's food marketing, you know, you need food to survive, but also you enjoy eating food that is good. And mm. we enjoy watching films that we enjoy and we enjoy listening to music that we like and mm. and all these things. They're not necessary to our survival, but some could someone could argue they're absolutely necessary to our survival. I feel like films and, are necessary to Matt's survival. At yeah, this point. I don't think i'd be able to survive <laughs> yeah i mean i'd have other artistic things to fall back on but yeah i would i'd, I'd crumble. yeah um it's the three m's matt milk and movies <laughs> and marketing <laughs> <laughs> I, I think the thing is that you're right tim star wars for example once the first star wars was the biggest success in the world mm. you didn't need to market star wars you just needed to say there's a new one out Here's the day. It's Star Wars. Yeah. That, you didn't need to convince people, we're done here. Yeah. But the difference is, and this is something that's been true from the very, this is what I kind of want to get on this, this very first bit of marketing for movies, all the way to the most recent things. The illusion of marketing is that it's about the product. <laughs> kind of isn't. Yeah. It's about everything but the product, because it's about an emotional state, mm. transitioning you from A to B. The idea of, I feel this will have an exciting impact on me. I feel this mm. will be terrifying. I feel it's it's not a logical thing. It's just why posters and d- trailers and radio ads and whatever happens to be, or as we get to later with internet stuff like that, it's to make you go, oh yeah, I have a cool positive experience inside me. I, I, I have a, a, a positive feeling that I associate now with this film that I have not seen, mm. I will reinforce that by going and watching the film. Yeah. Something you mentioned just a sec, Matt, thinking about how, again, talking about studios and stuff, you talked about Star Wars. Yes. 
the fact that once Star Wars is a thing, you don't have to sell Star Wars. And mm. then you get into the idea of like expanding out into different audiences and, oh, this is the Star Wars for kids. This is the Star Wars for this particular audience or this particular group of people or whatever. Yeah. That's why studios and big corporations and stuff fucking love, A, things that are based on already successful things, mm. yep, ba based on books, based on TV shows, adapted from an international version of a film that they think will work in this market and all that kind of shit. In the industry, we call that IP, intellectual property. Indeed. Or fucking franchises. Yeah. yeah. And sometimes those are the same thing. <laughs> yeah. Such There's... as Harry Potter, for example, you know. Incredibly successful bunch of books. Lord of the Rings, same thing. Hunger Games, same thing. You turn this incredibly successful group of things in one media into another piece of media. And as you shift yeah. mediums, you then have to remarket stuff, right? It's like, well, yeah, but well, you're everybody trying to is sell... talking about Harry Potter already, so... Yeah. Whoop. You're trying to sell the audience who are already sold and say, we now have a film version of this. And you're trying to say, if you haven't read the books or whatever, it's a big fucking deal. Exactly. Do you want to watch our movie version? Yeah, yeah. Mm. There's a big reason that sequels and franchises exploded in the 80s is because a bunch of Wall Street investors started mm. investing in movie studios <laughs> and were looking for stuff with guaranteed returns. Yep. And so they didn't want experimental shit or new... You know, like dog day afternoon, and there's not even a dog in it. What is this <laughs> shit? Um, why can't we just like this was successful? Why can't we just make another one of those? Mm. Um, and that's where you get that franchise mindset and that in let's call it intellectual property rather than art. Yeah, you know, uh, and all that kind of stuff is because it's the it's the marketing, it's the movie as product side of things. And you know, we often talk about how when you're accounting for you have the production budget of a movie which is what you people usually talk about when they're like oh this film cost 150 million dollars to make that's usually the production budget then you also have the marketing budget which is about 80 to 100% of what the production budget was to then sell that movie to people and to find the audience convince the audience that they want to see it encourage the audience that wants to see it to talk to other people who might not want to see it and convince mm -hmm. them to come along anyway. Because, you know, we don't care if you actually want to see it. All we care <laughs> is that you buy a ticket. Yeah. <laughs> and that, that brings us to, I can't believe this is one of the first examples. Fucking hell. We're, not, we're in the wrong century for this bit, but I'm bringing it up anyway. Batman v Superman. Oh. Honestly. Because there are times when you can, and this is true in both, both centuries, you can feel so saturated. Like, I can't. I feel it every time I turn the TV on, every time I check my phone, every time I'm out in the streets, I will see something about this fucking movie mm. and it just reminds you, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. And subsequently, with regards to Batman v Superman, that film made $800 million at the box office. Didn't make a billion, but it was very sizable. What but a it, flop. But it, it only made around, in theory, $100 million profit. Because mm. again, but it's like, how much does it cost to make? Like 150, 200 million? It's like, wait, so you're telling me that potentially, arguably, $600 million was on marketing. It's like, do you remember how much material mm. there was? And it's like, holy Christ. It's not just as clear cut as that, but it's not far off. Yeah, it's something we, that stat that it costs as much to market a film as it does to produce the film seems like it's so ingrained in our brains now because we bring it up so often mm. here on the show. But 
if this is your first episode listening to sequelizers or mm-hmm. your first kind of foray into that side of movie marketing and stuff like that that is a mad fucking number it seems to me like i've managed projects i've run marketing campaigns and stuff like that and i'm like oh i'm dealing with 1500 pounds mm. 10,000 pounds oh my god what a and that is to me that is a massive amount of money and then we're talking about 400 million dollars worth of marketing like what does that even mean that's an astronomical amount of numbers that's just i can't even picture that mm. how how you even spend that stuff and i can kind of get my head around paying all the actors paying all the different people paying for building things, creating new sets, creating props, costume design, special effects, mm-hmm. paying the director, blah, 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 blah. Mm. There's so many factors. You're like, yeah, I can see where that all goes. Like, well, how much does a billboard cost? And if you <laughs> like 10,000 billboards across the US and then advertising on like big pop culture websites, how much does that cost? You tie that all in together. It's, there are so many different moving facets. And I know we're very much in 21st century stuff, but to bring that back to 20th century stuff, you were thinking about poster designs and billboards and trailers trailers and advertising on radio and all that kind of stuff. And then that has kind of evolved where it's almost like spread thinner and thinner. And you're totally right, Matt. You get the point where certain movies and certain releases, you're like, God, I can't fucking escape this thing. And especially if you have ads in on your browser in the 21st century, fucking remarketing campaigns that follow you around everywhere. But then... People have done that in real life and like bus stops and stuff. And you get examples of there is one poster and one bus stop. And then the next bus stop is another character. And then the next thing is another character. Or even I saw it the other day, as you go up an escalator to the cinema, Mm. there are like the cardboard cutouts Mm. as you go up the stairs of different characters. Mm -hmm. And there was one character like transforming as they went and stuff Mm. like that. Oh, it was like Dyer is Michi. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) It's this weird kind of thing where you get combinations of, oh, that's like a really novel thing because it's so lo-fi and like obvious and like just literally having three bus stops in a row that demonstrate the three main characters or the three states of something Mm. or whatever. And then you get mad high budget stuff like publicity stunts and crazy PR things that tie into all this stuff. And it's such Mm. a broad, crazy topic. It's going to be really interesting to kind of dive into. Mm. Even the notion of like, a big movie premiere yeah, is yeah. a marketing stunt. That's an excellent point, Tim. Yeah, you know, and and a way to get people talking about a film is Rolling you know the oh, red carpet out and yeah, getting exactly. all the celebrities to come along. And and, yeah. and mm. I think you know we that fact we've talked about, like you know, yeah, double the budget to account for the marketing and stuff like that. And I think the natural inclination when you hear that fact is to go, why can't you just take like half of that money you're spending on marketing and put that in the production budget and make the film better. But the film would be so much bigger or better. Yeah. That's called but, Avatar. But then I think there's also, especially when you're thinking about the movie as product mindset from the kind of the studio executive mindset. Which you basically have to for every big release. Yeah. I think there's definitely movies out there where you go like, no, actually, putting more money into this movie will not make it a better movie. Like, you know, hello, Zach. You you start you start with a (laughs) you know a script or whatever a concept, and you know you kind of go like, yeah, this is like a you know eighty million dollar picture. It's like ah, but what if we took all the marketing money and put it into the thing? It's like, no, it's still 
it's still just going to be it's just going to be a slightly nicer can only, looking can only polish a turd yeah so much. exactly like the <laughs> yeah. you know oh you know well we can afford you know better actors it's like yeah but the script they're working with is still well okay well we'll give them more time for rewrites it's like yeah but again like the the, the whole thing like with the, a better return on our investment is simply to accept that this is a three out of five film but convince people that it's a five out of five film using marketing weirdly enough because you're absolutely right tim this is where the uh vicious cycle comes in Mm-hmm. Because it's like, well, okay, let's bump it up from an 80 million to 150 million. Mm-hmm. Great. And then you're like, hang on, how much have we invested in this movie? This much. Yeah. Who's in it now? We know this big actor. We have to sell it. Yeah. To make our money back. How do we do that? We have to ramp the marketing budget. Yeah. I was like, fuck. Because <laughs> it's, it's the thing is that the ones that catch us guard with the ones we think about as the consumer, as the public, is as as Jack mentioned, tons of them there. Billboards, posters, uh, trailers, that kind of stuff. It's and, and and Tim, you're absolutely right with the premier stuff. And you then go further to you do know under contract they're obviously doing all these stings on like appearances on um, you know, talk show host stuff and yeah. things like that. And then you go like when you license out to like McDonald's to make meals, it's like, oh yeah, tie-in stuff. Oh, and by the way, this isn't just in one country, it's on almost every country and you have to pay yeah. rights and licenses. If you think about I mean, you know, like how much does a billboard cost? I am almost in awe uh, as an independent filmmaker how studios do it for the money they have. Yeah. Mm. Because the majority of the time they get discounts. Because if you think about, right, I'm releasing a movie. I have, say, $200 million to get it out there. It's like, that's insane. It's like, what do I need to do? You need to buy literal physical space on buses, on tubes, as in underground metro stuff, uh, on, in airports, uh, pl- billboards, pluses everywhere, maybe mm-hmm. some structured monuments, some uh, live advertising that's digital in motion. So things like, you know, Piccadilly Circus and Times Square, those things moving over time. Mm. You then have to do paid press junket stuff. You have to do all the appearances. You have to do the tie in toys, the merch campaign, the anything that's all online ARG, which we'll come back to later. Uh, then you have to do that distributed in every single country, plus all these uh, tie in bits and pieces like, you know, product placement things mm. and blah, 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 licensing stuff. And I, okay, fine. Oh, and by the way, a huge internet spend mm. to get people talking about it and tweeting and yep. things, mm. promotional stuff. Sponsored hashtags on social media. Mm. All, and all that bollocks, shit, yeah. yeah. And, then, and then on top of that, like, oh, I'm, I saw a trailer for it. Yeah, they bought the ad space. Yeah. The fucking uh, Super Bowl trailers. Mm-hmm. But that 30 seconds is like, what, is a million dollars a second or it something is, stupid yeah. like that? Yeah. It's something, something I've seen. You're like, it's easy to spend the money. Mm. It's so easy to spend the money. Um, but you get the discounts, you get the money off, you get the sort of like idea mm. of like, we'll get it cut here, we'll get that work. So it's it's on the principle that how are we going to get the stunt f- out there to, you know, make this movie sold to the public? And that's why you get... And uh, another thing I was going to mention, sorry, award ceremonies. Mm, Those no. things are not free. Yeah, yeah. You, no. you pay to get into them. Um, Weirdly enough, we had this conversation at the company I work at where our bosses were like, we're not an award-winning marketing agency because we don't pay to go to any awards. Mm. Would you rather have the money in your pockets as a bonus at the end of the year? Or would you rather us go and win a bunch of like meaningless awards that we basically paid for? And we went, money, please. <laughs> like, yeah, we thought so. <laughs> yeah. I mean, obviously, the thing as well, you can, and this is the key thing with like, you know, all the press junket sponsorship shit and like, oh, I'm wearing so-and-so's dresses and things, blah, blah, blah. There's no guarantee you win. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So people said like, um, uh, to the creators of like, sorry to bother you. It's like, I can't believe you are for like even best writing. It's like, 
we're not even going to try. We've got the money to do that stuff. Yeah. Are you mad? Yeah. We just got the film out there in the first place and so many people saw it, but we're getting ahead of ourselves. Yeah. Funnily enough, I used to work for a website that covered the marketing industry <laughs> and we had an awards hey. thing that we did. And mm-hmm. it was, you know, oh, it's quite prestigious and we book out a hotel in London, mm-hmm. you know, and there's, yep. there's a big meal and everything and we get like a, you know, a relatively cheap comedian to present it kind of thing <laughs> um, and uh, all that stuff. And, uh, and it's, yeah. That's because it's a business opportunity because we get people to you pay every for every entry for every yep. category yeah. you want to be considered yep. in. And so, you know, and yeah, you might not win. Uh, it's but, also true for podcast awards, by the way. <laughs> very yeah. much is, yeah. Yeah, we're not an award. <laughs> we've not winning. won any awards because <laughs> we've not entered ourselves for any awards. No. And and when it comes to like, if you ever go to Comic-Con, any Comic-Con in any country or any convention like mm. that, and you see like the representation of, physical media presence, mm. uh, people dressing up in cosplay stuff and being given all these things and handouts. And you're like, how much money are you putting into this? Mm. That's like, oh, we had to spend at least a uh, hundred grand on this. Like for this, for this one convention? <laughs> it's like, yeah, people are going to film it. It's like to Hall H that, to get the time to get on that panel. Yeah. Yeah. You're mostly paying for it. Yeah. So that's where the money goes. And that's why to, to circle us back a bit, that's why novel marketing campaigns, thinking outside the box, people are hungry for the stuff all the time. Mm. But as Jack said earlier, uh, at some point, all of this stuff was new yeah. and revolutionary. Mm. And then it became... Because when it successful. works, everyone copies it. Yeah, exactly. exactly yeah. I'm going to kick off with my first, my first, our first. It's not picks. It's not. I'm so used to the old format. <laughs> <laughs> the first thing you want to talk about. Yeah, the first thing you want to talk about, you mentioned it earlier, Matt. Let's talk about buses, because mm. I'm going to start in the 21st century. Bear with me. I'm not going to give an example of the 21st century, and then I'll bring it back to the late 20th century. It's your era of being alive. <laughs> I was alive in both. Just? Just. Wait, was alive? Yes, Tim. Oh, oh no. The past is dead. He's been dead this whole Kill time. Kill it if you have to, etc. Yes. Buses. Because I remember when the pandemic happened and really kicked off. Oh, yeah. And they were fucking time capsules, and it was mm. really weird. And films from late 2019 were on the side of buses for two and a half years. And I specifically remember pointing it out to my wife as we walk around Norwich and stuff, whatever. During that period, I kept pointing out, like, that came out 18 months ago. <laughs> that came out two years ago. That never came out. <laughs> Those moments, like, pointing out that, because usually, it will be a bus will go past and either like my parents or as, as we talk about so many times, like we have friends who are not as switched on to the whole movie scene as we are. No one is switched on to it as much as you are, Matt, obviously. Hello. But even like me being the least kind of knowledgeable of the three of us still, I'm still a lot more kind of conscious and aware of so much of the marketing stuff and the movie industry in general as a whole than so many people are who that's not a significant part of their life. There's not a problem with that, but I find it fascinating where, like I said, I was walking, um, where was I? I think it was in Norwich. It might have even been somewhere else with some friends and they noticed a bus with a film on it and they went, oh, that's the new, I don't know, whoever like this actor's film is. I was like, yeah. Yeah, the, what? How, how have you not seen the trailer for that? Like, oh yeah, people don't always pay attention to that. And the first bus advert I remember seeing, I don't think I ever saw it in real life, but I remember hearing about it, 
is one of Matt's absolute favorite films, Godzilla 1998. <laughs> Matt's favorite Godzilla movie, as we all know. Be quiet, Matt. Mute his microphone, Matthew. That's not an option. We don't. We can't do that. I could do it, but it'd be a pain. I self muted. <laughs> <laughs> I defend that film. It's fine. It's not good. Uh, yeah, I'm taking the piss, obviously. But, but new listeners may be thinking <laughs> the wrong thing. <laughs> but specifically, the his foot is as long as this bus, and it's just a foot on the <laughs> side of a bus, and that text being like, "That's so eye catching." And usually, you want to go for something that is like. It will be full of like quotes like outstanding, the times, blah, 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 enemy.com, whatever. Like it's full of those little quotes and usually just like typical poster. Here's the main character or a handful of main characters title of movie. It just had that and that's it. And I was like, mm. that's cool as fuck and interesting. And I've never seen anything like that before. Terrible movie. But the fact that it's just as simple as that, and I think that that's so key to so many of these, as as we were saying earlier, when they are new, like God, that's so simple. It's because it's that's evocative. So obvious that yeah, mm. the, exactly. Evocative is a brilliant word for it. Where that just captures your imagination of like, well, whose foot is that? What <laughs> what foot is Tarantino's that wanking at the corner? <laughs> Wiggle your big toe. Uh, but I found that fascinating that that is just such a simple tactic and so old school and something I take for granted so often. It's just like, there's always fucking films on the sides of buses. Who cares? Who pays attention to films on the sides of buses? Mm. And then I'll, you know, meet up with my parents in Norwich City Centre and they'll be like, oh, we saw that. We, we drove past the thing. There was a thing on a bus. And I was like, Oh yeah, people don't watch trailers and stuff. People don't mm. aren't switched on to. They're not, you know. Oh my god, the new trailer for blah 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 is out, mm. and then and my dad will suddenly be like, "Did you know there's a there's a Batman film?" I'm like, yes, there's a Batman mm. film. <laughs> I knew when it went I've to fucking production. I've seen the leaked set photos from like eighteen months ago. What are you talking about? <laughs> and yeah, something as simple as that really jumped out to me as like, yeah, it's Godzilla's foot on a bus. That's all you need. That's it, that evocative mm. simplicity of it was so fascinating to me. Mm. And you know. We, <laughs> I know it's something, I think it's something that drives, I can't remember if it's Matt, Jack, or both of you mad. Oh, shit. But there is the type of person who will be like, oh, it's Friday night, let's uh, go to the cinema, with no me. idea it's of, it's me. of what they want to see. <laughs> and sometimes, <sighs> literally all you need to do, per, a person doesn't need to even know that they have been advertised to. <laughs> All they need to do is they go and look at that. I mean, it's it's less like this now, but back in the day, you'd go and you'd stand in front of the box office and you'd look at the big board with all the film names on and what time they're showing, and you'd go, oh, I've heard of that one. Yeah, look, oh, it's in 10 minutes. That's good. Okay, we'll have I've two heard tickets of that to one. that, not, please. Not even I saw it on a bus. I saw it on a billboard. I yeah. saw it on TV. It's yeah. just, not even, I, I am aware of its existence. Yes, I don't know how, but yeah, I have. Exactly. Yeah. That's subliminal, yeah. almost Does, subconscious no, thing. No comment on its quality, <laughs> who's in it, <laughs> what it's about. Yeah. But, oh, I, that, that name rings a bell. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, we'll try that. Yeah. Antichrist. <laughs> could be interesting. I made that mistake before. <laughs> so, sticking with the 20th century second, because uh, just to put people in, uh, in, in a bit of perspective, you really only had um, three avenues to market to people. Now, obviously, there's word of mouth. 
but that mm. doesn't count because you can't control that as a studio. Mm. Well, you kind to, of to degree, can to a degree because there's press coverage. Oh, well, that's yeah. Because I was going to say that. What I mean by that is you can influence it as much as you try to, yes. but you can't make people talk about it in in no. the way you want them to. So subsequently, you've got print media, which in this in the day meant putting stuff in newspapers, putting things on billboards, on mm-hmm. buses, uh, posters up in cinema, posters around the cinema. Because a bus is ultimately driving around marketing the film for you constantly everywhere you go. But a billboard at a bus stop or a bus shelter is because you're a captive audience. Mm. You and, can't go and, and you're bored. And to Americans listening, oh, yeah. we have a lot more buses than you do. Yes. Oh, right. Yeah. We don't bus, mean like cross-country coach stuff. Yeah. yeah. Bus, bus infrastructure is a lot more important in the yeah. UK. There's also trains and you can have posters on trains and in train stations. Yeah. That's exactly it. So it's and the, the underground. Yeah. Again. And equally, whenever you're going these things, you have a newspaper in your hand back in the day. Oh, God, And magazines yeah. and all that sort of stuff. So you have the print media, which is, we're going to go where you are and if you're captive. Then the second thing is the visual medium of film uh, on like literally uh, TV or in the cinema itself. So in the cinema, you get trailers. And that's where you go like, oh, before you watch this movie, here's a lot of other movies coming out. Yeah. And then it goes in your head. Like, and, and there's thought behind that, right? There oh, yeah. is the... Uh, again, I'm thinking about it in a really wanky SEO kind of way in a very 21st century way. But We are talking about marketing. I know, but I, but we're specifically talking about the movie trailers and, and, and that sense. But it's all like indicative. It's all part how of it. How it all relates to each other. You don't want to advertise like, oh, welcome to... It's the new Star Wars movie. Here's Antichrist. You'd be like, mm, <laughs> no, no. Like, well, here's the new Spider-Man movie. It's, it's got Willem Dafoe in it. Sort <laughs> of. I mean, want to see his confusing penis? <laughs> it's a Green Goblin penis. It's weird. Um, it but, had different teeth. Oh, it talks to him in the mirror. And there's this whole thing where you want almost like this relationship between the films. You want, oh, all the family-friendly stuff will have other family-friendly stuff in the yeah, trailers. absolutely. And yeah. then have, oh, this is a horror thing, let's advertise other horror things. And even then you get, like, studios pushing and all this kind of stuff, like, mm. well, this is a this is a Paramount Pictures thing, so we want to push to have other Paramount Pictures things in here as well. And I remember I used to love this, and now I can't think of anything worse, because, again, I'm oversaturated with fucking trailers and trailer analysis and all that kind of bollocks we have now. But back in the day you would get the screen outside in the like main hall and you still get it now, but I can't think of anything worse where I would sit and be like, Oh, my dad's buying the tickets or whatever. There is the big screen in like the waiting area that is playing the trailers like on, on a loop my, on a loop. It's just this mini cinema screen. It's still a mm. massive screen in the scale of it's bigger than your TV, especially in like the mid two thousands or early nineties, late nineties. Yeah. In this case, I'm thinking of when I was first going to the cinema and this weird experience of like seeing something there and being like, when I come back here, that's what I'm going to see next in a couple of weeks time mm. or in a few months time. And I'm doing the, not doing the thing you hate, Matt, and actually having an idea of what yeah, I'm going to watch yeah. next time, but literally influenced by the thing while I'm in the cinema, seeing a film already, mm-hmm. I am influenced to return and see another thing because, well, I've just watched episode one of star Wars. Now I need to watch episode two said mm. everyone foolishly. And the thing is, little baby Matthew, uh, young Matthew, would do just that. He would arrive at the cinema an hour early <laughs> to watch all of them. I would wait for the reel to start again so I know what I'd probably see most of them. Yeah. See, mine was like, 
Oh yeah, while well, my dad was buying the tickets, nope. I'd mm. watch one or two trailers and be like, "Oh, that looks good." And then Matt turned it into some weird psycho thing <laughs> where it had to be. I had to know everything. But 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 uh, we're talking about 20th century to start with. You had no alternative. You'd, there wasn't an internet where you could easily download. Like you know, don't, we're gonna don't talk- justify his mania, Tim. Oh no, it's still <laughs> crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Just to be clear. Just to be clear. <laughs> But I was but on it, my own, staring yeah. at this screen on a sofa, going, <laughs> this is great. <laughs> but it, it's we're going to talk a lot when we get to the kind of 20th century about 1999 as a turning point. And one of the things that happened around that point, I don't know if it was actually 98 that it, it, it occurred, but the Phantom Menace trailer oh, yeah. was, like a, yes. was like a, uh, a sea change because it was wide well not widely available on the internet but it, it was the first time that it was sort of it, it got into the public consciousness that you can go onto the internet what? and download the movie trailer or watch or stream and, wa- and watch it in your and, quick time or winamp or yes, whatever the fuck yeah and watch it over and over again and in analyze what's going on rather than having to go to the cinema or wait for it record it on vhs off of the telly yeah. and watch it over and over again and because it was star wars and it was this huge cultural event people were obviously anticipating it and there there were literally people who would go to cinemas sit down because they knew that the trailer for the Star Wars film was going mm-hmm. to be in front of the, this film, watch the trailer, and then get up and leave. I think it was, was it like the Count of Monte Cristo I was about or to say, something? There's a specific Meet film Joe example. Black, I want to say. Yes, was one of them. Yeah. There was a film that specifically got a boost because it had the Star Wars trailer at the beginning, yeah. which is a mad. Um, and so, obviously, that to people listening now who don't remember those the before times <laughs> like that's completely insane that people would do that because it's like but you'd just watch it on your you'd watch it on your phone wouldn't you and, and uk listeners that's when cinema tickets were expensive as fuck yeah it weren't your old odeon and view 4.99 bullshit that you get these days what? i don't know americans it's still expensive they're about guys. five of them but a five of them was a lot of fucking that's equivalent to 15 yeah quid now. yeah it was like seven pounds back then is 15 or whatever it was like crazy infl- inflation kind of stuff that's the price of a house exactly <laughs> going back to psychos and cinemas here's my little segue oh hello back to the film psycho from the one and only mr alfred hitchcock mm-hmm. legendary movie legendary filmmaker and i found it so fascinating that this kind of revolutionized and because that film was so subversive and shocking at the time for what everyone was expecting in the 60s you then have this almost like the feels like almost the invention of spoiler culture in cinema and where literally you would have people representatives sometimes literally hitchcock himself in in some cases for like the premiere and stuff like that where they would have people outside of the cinema and say once the film starts Nobody else is allowed in. No, no late motherfuckers are allowed in this cinema because you need to experience this thing from start to finish to appreciate it in full and avoid all the spoilers and stuff because the main character's gonna die, shockingly, and there's this big thing that's gonna change cinema forever. And Hitchcock knew that. He knew he was doing something unusual and unique and weird and thought, 
fuck it, I can get away with this. I can do this. And literally, had, like I said, had like stewards and stewardesses outside of cinema screenings of it as, as much as possible. And sometimes he had literally done it himself where he would ban people from coming in because of the potential of spoilers. Now we see that all the time. You get the pre-roll clip from the lead actor. Oh, hi, I'm Tom Holland. Um, I'm Spider-Man. And uh, please don't tell your friends on the internet that so-and-so dies in the new Avengers movie because <laughs> I've probably already told them on a talk show. But yeah, and it was like, holy shit, yeah. Spoilers, because again, it's so saturated in our brains and it's fucking unavoidable in 2023. Going back 60 years, more than 60 years, where literally going into the cinema and being able to like go out and communicate with the outside world is too much of a spoiler before internet before you had mobile phones before any of that shit literally going into a cinema was turned into a sacred thing that must be protected and i found that so fascinating that that's like a 60s equivalent of this almost invention of spoilers and spoiler culture yeah and and just, just a segue in here because i think there's a good one because at that time the trailer for psycho was very novel because it was hitchcock walking around the set saying Oh, yes. Okay. This yes. is where the murder happens. Mm -hmm. Very gruesome. It's like, you're not showing me anything. Yeah, it's not a trailer. It's yeah. him doing a weird, creepy set tour. It's it's very odd. But you mentioned about Tom Holland just now, so I want to segue with that one. Because the, uh, the third thing I was mentioning earlier, which was the whole print media stuff, it goes to where you are and it's in your hands and says, here's a thing. Then you've got the moving version, either previously on the radio, wireless, and <laughs> then in TV later for the advertising, as all advertising did. The third one's what Tim was mentioning earlier or referencing earlier with the whole uh, word of mouth thing, interviews. Mm. Suddenly, people being interviewed on talk show, late night stuff is like, we've got very important people in here today playing their number one hit. It's so-and-so. Here's the group playing the song. Uh, then you go, oh, and, and we've got this actor coming and in today. And up next, it's the star of the new movie that's in cinemas now, mm. holds up poster. It's this guy. Mm. And that's the thing. It had to feel like, again, marketing feeling, had to feel like it wasn't just someone saying, hi, I'm going to sell to you now. Selling, selling, selling. Watch the movie. There's enough of that shit. This had to feel like, oh, I'm learning anecdotes. I'm learning what, what it's like to this person's life and their it's, relationship. It's the birth of the movie star, right? That's yeah. That's the logic. And But then it also became... So tell me about your uh, experiences with your wife. My wife? Well, I'm newly married and uh, it's going well, bud. Yeah, well, you know, it does in the early days. <laughs> um, right, you're right, you're right. So uh, this, and then there's this awkward segue. So this new movie you're in. Yeah, it's a great piece. Uh, and it's like, you you never learn anything about the new movie at that point. You just know, oh, Henry Cavill was on the TV recently. <laughs> that was a good, very good Henry Cavill impression. I don't think it was. But, <laughs> um, but this is the point. It's, it's, it's the, Warhammer, Graham. <laughs> <laughs> and so in the past, it would be like, you know, we got Oliver Reed on the show. It's like, why the fuck are they dug Oliver Reed out? Oh no. He's barely sober. It's like, oh, he's in a Musketeers film. Oh. And then mm. subliminally, you're like, God, Oliver Reed got his fucking, he got, the, yeah, he insulted all the women in the studio. And one character <laughs> came out and she tipped this water in his head. Fucking crazy. Why was Oliver Reed on the show? It's a Musketeers film. Oh, I like the Musketeers. He's in it. It's like, yeah. I didn't know there's a Musketeers God. movie. Imagine what he could do yeah. with that. He'd be, is he, is he playing the drunk one? And then six weeks from then, you go to the cinema and you're like, what should we watch? Oh, there's a Musketeers. I remember there's a Musketeers movie coming. Should we go and see the Musketeers? That's it. It's all sublimate. Mm, it's all go. feeding. It. And the <laughs> idea is the more you see it, the more you think about it, the more it goes in. And it's just on the, when you when you have the moment, you think, shall we go to the cinema? 
It seems like today everyone's talking about this new Musketeers film. <laughs> Musketeers, chocolate bars brings you Three Musketeers the movie. Um, so you'd have those three things constantly berating, constantly in your in your consciousness. And the difference between the twentieth and twenty first century until the nineties, when things changed with the internet, it would try to get to you. So it would be on your route to work, on your route to school with adverts for toys, things that would tie in for the your new Batman toys, because Batman's coming out. It's like, fucking hell, there's a Batman film coming out. How's that? Because it's the fucking present I want. The tie-in video game, that kind of stuff. It would all be there to tell you there's this thing coming along. Um, and, you know, you'd go into a store and you'd see a cardboard cutout. If you go to like a blockbuster in the 90s and 80s, you'd see cardboard cutouts of films that were coming out in the cinema as well as coming through to VHS. So you'd go... Shit, that film's coming out. I need to see the first four of them. Do you have all four of them in to start with? Let's go, let's go. I'll have a marathon, watch all four of them before the next <laughs> one comes out. Mm. And subsequently, you had this constant, you know, how can I get to you? And the only way you can get into your house, which was the important one, was, and I cannot stress the importance of the newspaper, mm. because that was, again, a big thing. Let's see the cinema listings. Shh, open the local paper. Um, you'd have magazines covering stuff, specialist magazines, like obviously, you know, um, Empire and other bits and pieces, mm-hmm. and, you know, total film and things. And you'd have the television. The television was important. So in between, back before you could skip um, ads, and back when you had a handful of channels, mm. you'd have advertising, 30, mm. what's called TV spots, 30 second TV spots. Yeah. And there were short, reduced versions of the trailer. Uh, and that's why the big Hollywood, uh, the big sort of uh, Super Bowl. Sting, mm. for example, that's a very important spot because it's the mm. most watched, and, most eyeballs, and those still exist. They do, like you know. Obviously, if you're a kind of person who listens to this uh, podcast, you're probably watching most of your trailers on YouTube or something yeah. like that. But there is still a huge audience of people out there who don't do that, who sit down and watch the TV, and then a a, a movie trailer, a yeah, thirty second yeah. TV spot will come on, and they'll go. Oh, that looks good, you know. Oh, did you know there's a new Batman? Yeah, there's a, there's a Batman. Batman. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, or you know, it could be something, you know, a, a rom com or what, whatever, yeah. you know, that you can usually an Oscar period film that you like. Yeah. that will fit this audience. Um, yeah. and it is still an incredible. You, you know, the obviously there's been this huge shift in marketing with the internet and stuff like that, and because certain things are much more buzzy, you know, and and. Hollywood is a, you know, um, mm. in general, we're talking about Hollywood here, uh, is a very, um, everyone's besotted with the new thing. Um, and everyone assumes that the rest of the world is like Hollywood. It's true. Uh, but they also vastly underestimate, you know, middle America, et cetera, et cetera. And it's like, well, we better still buy some newspaper ads for those bum fucks in, you know, <laughs> Kansas, who yeah. still read the newspaper. Um, sorry, but, listeners in you Kansas. Know, there are bumfuck Kansas. Yeah, but yeah. Sorry, sorry, uh, your listeners in bumfuck Kansas. But Tim does not represent sequelizers. <laughs> he does. But there are people everywhere who that will be the way they find out about that particular movie. You know, yeah, yeah definitely. There and, is a reason that those those mediums haven't died off completely. Mm. If be- it's still an avenue that's worth pursuing, they'll still chuck some money into it. And the thing is, is that stuff like print media has now gotten dirt cheap <laughs> because the marketing has shifted elsewhere so the mm. things like newspapers have had to lower their rates yeah. to you know say like 
hey, please still give us some money. Yeah. Like, we'll, we'll accept less. It's like, well, great. Okay, well, then I'll, I will still spend on you because I can also now split that spend yeah. elsewhere. And, and in terms of like, uh, in terms of novel marketing as well, because you've got the ones that, but, but this is the thing, we, always, we talk about like marketing in general for a second, because it's an important one, because we, you talk about the roots that take hold. And when you know the established rules, then subverting it is what becomes interesting because it becomes mm. risky. So for example, uh, a very, very, very early example, to come back to my uh, opening quote from the top of the, top of the show, uh, I talked about, you know, go where the people are, right? So if you're in the city and you're walking around, and you see these big billboards uh, for the new film coming out and you have to really nail that look so it has to have the actor's face on it say who the hell fuck it is oh, i recognize that face because you don't know names all the time and this is the difference between it was always the um the wording that person was a face and i made them a name yeah because it's like what do you mean it's like matthew mcconaughey at one point was just oh i i, I know that guy's face yeah and it's like it's matthew mcconaughey you know i can't it's like it's him yeah you know that who i'm talking about that's the transition of fame but you do all these things you have to get on a poster. What is it? Who's in it? Where can I see it? Mm. Then you get legal things like credit blocks. And that's where the poster tagline comes a big thing of like, you know, um, um, just when you thought it was safe to go back in the water yeah. you know, for Jaws 2. Took, and you took the words right out of my mouth. Literally yeah. have the Jaws 2 poster. <laughs> no, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's the thing people say, because it's but the, the one that really got me is when you take that and go, how about we don't? It's like, what do you mean? Mm. Well, we're going to do a film poster. So, okay, it's a film, but this is early, early film, like 1900s, 1920s. Like, okay, what do we do? We're not going to tell you what the film title is. Okay, but bold. We're not going to show you anything about the film. Bold. We're not going to tell you the title of the film. Dangerous. What the fuck are you talking about? It's like, okay, we're going to do this only in Berlin. Why? Because it's 1920s. Things don't need to go viral. That's just a city thing. <laughs> it's where this, people can go to see the cinema. And there were posters appearing all over Berlin that had nothing on them except Du musst Caligari werden, which means you must become Caligari. It's like, what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> and for the longest time, you're like, I don't get this. Is it a threat? What is this? And you see, obviously, you see posters like a media for mm. everything, for theatre, for, um, for music, for all kinds of things. And then eventually, Dr. Cal the cabinet of Dr. Caligari is, comes out and you go, oh, it's this, and it's a horror thing, and it's about the sonambulist, and it's all very uh, gaunt, uh, silent movie, German expressionist things. This is haunting. I, I have to become this thing. Oh, amazing. Oh, uh, yeah, um, uh, we've got to see what this is about. And the intrigue that builds, I mean, that's that feeling, which takes us um, all the way to the end of the 90s when you get to the internet, and you get to the point of... Um, I found this weird website <laughs> and it doesn't tell me much, but it's kind of linked to something. What do you think it is? I don't know. And you find out, oh, it's a film. And that is fascinating to me because it's what is the prime example of a, an early campaign that was very novel. And then, of course, you'd still see similar things that would crop up like, oh, what a weird, strange thing. I don't know what it is. And you find it later, you know, it would say next week. And it's like, the poster says next week, I don't understand. Yeah. <laughs> and then the week next week, it would just say Batman 1999. Oh! my god but you would you wanted to see next week what that was going to be yeah well that that the batman poster was in some ways revolutionary yeah because it was it was literally just the batman symbol yep yeah and and but people they knew that that iconography it was because recognizable it, because of things like the 60s tv show and all that kind of stuff and and just simply the public recognition of the character that's all it needed to be so you have this incredibly simple striking poster that people will instantly go oh batman 
oh, there's a Batman movie coming out. That's, that's all you need it to. Yeah. yeah. It's something we've talked about a few times on the show where we want to maintain the secret from the audience in our pitch. And then we all go, oh, but I know the marketing guys are one of them. <laughs> like your Prometheus thing, Tim, mm. being like, don't tell people it's a fucking alien movie. I did the same with my Alien 3 where it was all robots. Yeah, so I was like, exactly. don't tell them it's an alien film. Don't tell them hinted it's an alien yeah. movie. And funny enough, the alien poster, the infamous one, which is just the egg cracking open, mm. no xenomorphs in sight, no, no nothing. And it's the in space, no one can hear you scream, the word alien and an egg. And that's so it. evocative. Such, yeah. It's yeah. so powerful. And really, we, we've kind of gotten away from the tagline so much because... That would then tie into trailers and stuff, and the classic movie guy mm. voice would then tie into the, the classic inner world, would then be the tagline or whatever. Mm -hmm. And just when you thought it was safe to go back in the water, obviously being Jaws 2, mm. everybody thinks that's Jaws 1. I was like, how would that be Jaws? You're going back into the water. That doesn't yeah. make sense. And even things like you don't even associate being a movie tagline or a poster like, be afraid, be very afraid. Is from the fly poster. Yeah. Like, yep. That's a is that that's a goosebumps thing. That's gotta be like some <laughs> horror franchise, like silly things like that's from the fucking fly. Yeah. <laughs> it's mad how they like seep into pop culture and, and you don't even think really about it. really feel like it's tied in that well. Like be afraid, be very afraid. It's like No. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sticking around with sci-fi stuff like close encounters, we are not alone. Yeah. And it's just the road yeah. to nowhere. Mm. Like, what the fuck is this movie? And to be fair. Is that movie? Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, the, the earliest trailer for uh, Back to the Future, mm. uh, when you know, obviously they've got rid of Stoltz and they brought in uh, Michael J. Fox, and he just there's someone by the side of the road, sort of hitchhiking, and he he pulls up at the DeLorean and saying, "How far are you going?" And he goes, "About thirty years." Mm -hmm. Puts his sunglasses down. I'll tell you the best one, and I people will go fuck off, but I can't tell you in the cinema. In 93, 94, when Whoa. it was done, I think about 93, how much people went, oh my God, this is going to be the best thing ever. Mm -hmm. Because advertising is a lie. There was a moment with a black screen and a sing-along bit of text <laughs> and a dot bouncing. Except the dot was a little rock. And it was the theme tune for the Flintstone. <laughs> and the rock rolls off. And it rolls to the foot of John Goodman and goes, Wilma! And I'm like, oh my God, mm. they've done it. Yeah, and that's all it was. <laughs> yeah. And everyone went, this is going to be amazing. In the mm. same way that they tease the South Park film. And so, for example, it's like, well, a trailer, you have to show all the stuff. It's like, sometimes you don't need to show anything. Yeah. Going, going back to posters, actually. Yeah. I can remember in my brain, it was coming out of Stargate, but I, I've just checked the dates. It's like, no, Stargate was 94. This film was 1997, so it couldn't have been that. They wouldn't have been advertising it out early, I don't early, think. Yeah. Um, but coming out of the cinema with my dad and seeing the one of the early posters for The Fifth Element, oh, which was nice. just yes, the, the... a cityscape, yeah. of like a futuristic cityscape with these like five kind of columns representing it and then just The Fifth Element. And nothing, I think it had Bruce Willis's name in quite small mm. writing and a Luc Besson film. And... My dad, of all people, who is not a big film person, I can remember looking at it and going, "Oh, that looks interesting," um, yeah. mm. and that and that's striking me at the time because I was like, "But but dad doesn't care about films." 
Um, I remember seeing that same poster when it came out of Independence Day. So I yeah. wonder if that was a similar thing. Yeah. Yeah. But you're right. Because it's the whole like, you know so little, but it yeah. speaks to you in a way like, oh, yeah. I don't know what this is. And so, yeah, sometimes that's the best marketing is a film. It's, it's this weird relationship we have with marketing of like, oh, this film thinks it's, it's, uh, it doesn't feel like it needs to explain itself to me. Well, now I'm intrigued. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, and I, I, I think those are the kind of things that we talked about how word of mouth is so hard, that organic marketing is yeah. so hard to generate. And that's why novel marketing campaigns, interesting stuff, is so, it's what people chase after. Unfortunately, it's the thing of like, you never know what is going to work. You could, people try all kinds of weird stuff because if you can get that reaction from the public and get people starting to talk about stuff, that's better than any other kind of marketing you can have. It's because marketing doesn't exist in a vacuum. Mm. There are other people marketing their own shit at the same time and there's world events going on. There are times you think this marketing is perfect mm. and then you go, Turns out, no, it's not. 9-11's just happened. Take that fucking trailer down. Like, <laughs> yeah. shit, shit, shit. Yeah. Something I want to touch on that we've actually covered on the show before. One of the most, like, one of the marketing campaigns that sticks out in my brain when I think of this for films is the Blair Witch Project. Brilliant. Because we talked about this in the episode, but obviously we sequelized it in a previous season. And talking about the when the original came out, everyone thought it was real and the poster is literally like uh, i've got it here i will read it in october of 1994 three student filmmakers disappeared in the woods near burkittsville maryland while shooting a documentary a year later their footage was found and it's just a picture of her face in some woods and the little symbol at the top mm. you barely notice the blair witch project and to go with that they made fake police reports, fake wanted posters, missing mm -hmm. persons reports, all this kind of stuff. They would actually get real calls of people reporting the missing persons to the phone numbers they had put on the posters because people thought they were real. Yeah. Because everyone, again, this is, this is the 90s, this is before the internet, mm -hmm. but you can't just Google the cast because... Google fucking, wasn't a thing. And they no. were all unknowns at the time yeah. as well. Which you could yeah. Alta Vista the cast, but that ain't getting you anywhere. <laughs> exactly. could ask Jeeves. <laughs> and, and it's not well-known people. You'd be like, well, I've seen that person in a film before. I know they're not dead, or I know it's not this thing. Like, yeah. this is real found footage of these people who disappeared in October 1994. Mm. And imagine seeing, again, like we're saying, doesn't tell you what the film is. It's just a missing persons poster. You're like, the fuck is that? I think I've ever seen a missing persons poster like out in the wild in my entire life pretty much like they're so rare back in the day they were a bit more common this is 30 years ago obviously but like this is a weird thing i'm like that doesn't tell me anything you wouldn't even know it's a film but then maybe you see something else that follows that you see a trailer you see another poster that is the actual film you're like is it the same face mm. that i oh well the wait, conversation what? is i heard about these kids went missing I want to check this film out. Yeah. And that turns into word of mouth, right? That's how mm. you do that word of mouth stuff. You create the intrigue. You create this weird stuff. And I remember back in the day for me, and I'm sure this is true for you as well, like how word spreads on like playgrounds and stuff mm. like that, especially if it's like shit you should not be talking about. Like, yeah. I'm too young to see the Blair Witch Project, but 
apparently, right? Yeah. Like urban legend shit. Dave's older brother's friend said, it's all real and they actually died in the woods. <laughs> the film ends and you see them die. Yeah, like it ends, right? And you see the like heads being cut. Oh, so, <laughs> it's like the goriest thing. I can't believe they released it. I watched it. It was amazing. Six <laughs> months before it comes I, out. I, I, yeah. <laughs> my uncle works at Nintendo. Like, <laughs> And it's shit like that where it's, oh, I'm going to sound like the oldest fucker in the room despite being the babysitter of the sequelizers, but I miss those good old days where you had that intrigue and that mystery. I am we'll get onto this in the 21st century thing. I know I keep bringing it up, but mm. the oversaturation of media and trailers and oh, here's 15 things you missed in mm. the latest trailer. Here's a big red arrow pointing to a yellow bubble that points out the thing that shows that this guy, because he was in that Star <laughs> Wars film, shows that he's actually related to this character, which tells you that he's probably going to die in the next one. I want to be surprised. Fuck off. I want to go into this as blind as I can. And I know I've, I've evangelized this. We all have on this show so many times. Mm. If you can go into, a, especially certain movies, if you can go into them as blind as possible, R literally before we started recording, you were both discussing Barbarian, mm -hmm. the yes. film that came out last year. And I said, I don't think I know anything about Barbarian. You both went, don't, <laughs> don't look, don't look at trailers. Don't look it up. Don't know anything. It's on Disney plus. Go and watch it now. It's like, Okay, yeah. And that is my ideal way of consuming media. If I and I know people who do this, who do media blackouts and stuff and mm. it's God's hard. Godspeed and good luck to you, because I can't fucking do it. I work in marketing and live on social media and YouTube <laughs> and YouTube and stuff. I mean that that is the, the, the unfortunate thing is that the reason that we see those trailer breakdowns and all that kind of stuff is because of uh, algorithms suggest yeah, but you like to watch those. Yeah, yeah. Jack, so Jack does like Star Wars, though, doesn't he? He's like, fuck off, Google. Yeah. <laughs> um, just to, to, to leap off of uh, discussion of the Blair Witch Project, mm. which again brings us to 1999 and our kind of sea change year in a lot of ways. But I want to jump back in time a bit, uh, but keep with horror. Because mm -hmm. talking about word of mouth and about novel marketing ideas, I do feel like we have to touch on the master, William Castle. <laughs> uh, okay. For people who aren't familiar, William Castle was a director in the 50s and 60s, mm. primarily, um, who uh, decided that the best way to advertise his films or to generate word of mouth, perhaps, yeah, that, is the best, yeah. uh, was to, to start using some gimmicks <laughs> to just to get people talking about them. So uh, he. Uh, he financed his first movie, uh, Macabre, in 1958, and he came up with the idea of giving every customer a certificate for a uh, $1,000, which at the time was a lot, life insurance policy in case they died of fright during the film. Um, and he also stationed nurses in the lobbies and parked hearses outside the theatres. Yeah. Obviously, that's, that's hilarious. Not everywhere, but in no. enough places to make it a yeah. story that then people would, the, the, the press would pick up on it. People would talk about, I went to the cinema and there were nurses in the front because there's this film playing where they say it's, it's so, so scary, scary you might die. And someone else was coming out and they said they got given a life insurance policy when they were there. Um, and then that turns into exactly what I was saying of like, so I heard a guy died. Yeah. And then they had nurses in the cinema when I watched it. Yeah. I didn't watch it on day of release. Apparently people were dying on day of release. Can yeah. you believe it? Which, of course, then, uh, just to leap into 1994 for a minute here, 95, that then led to Tarantino 
when someone did have a heart attack <laughs> while watching Pulp Fiction during the uh, the specific uh, adrenaline, adrenaline scene. Mm, yeah. And they said, they said what, do you, what do you think about that? He said, it works. <laughs> <laughs> that immediately goes, well, I want to, this film nearly killed someone. I got to yeah. see it. Yeah. It's the same principle there where you're manufacturing it, but still it puts that mindset, puts that feeling yeah. in your mind. Yeah. Um, and Macabre was a hit. So William Castle was like, well, it must have been the clever marketing. <laughs> um, and so it's paid off. He basically then just started with every film that he made trying to come up with weirder and weirder shit. So you have <laughs> House on Haunted Hill in 1959, which was filmed in Emerjo, which essentially means he had a wire that went over the, uh, the, the audience in the theatre that had a, a skeleton hanging from it. Uh, with with red light bulbs in its eyes, that it, during the final moments of the film, the skeleton would like whoosh out over the audience to so shock it, them, which it, is just ch cheap theatre shit. It's, 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 it's the fifties equivalent of like four DX that we have now. Yes, yeah. <laughs> uh, and once word spread about that this happened, it then became a game amongst kids of like, okay, we're gonna go in, and when when the skeleton comes out, we're gonna try and knock it off the wire with candy, <laughs> with like throwing candy boxes at Amazing. it or whatever. Um, there was The Tingler, also in 1959. That's a title. Yeah, uh, which um, he, he purchased military surplus airplane wing de-icers. Fucking hell. Um, and had the cr uh, a crew travel from theatre to theatre, attaching them to the underside of some of the seats. Um, and then in the finale, when uh, one of the creatures in the film gets... Uh, it, it says... They've gotten loose into the into your theatre. Oh my god, the tingler is in your theatre. Scream for your lives, and uh, that it would basically like shake the seat. There was also a rumor that um, it was giving people electrical jolts, which it wasn't. But that again, you know, rumors again, it's that always that, spread. It's the rumors. Like, yeah. Um, Thirteen ghosts in 1960. You had a um, like a a, a personal uh, almost like 3D glasses kind of thing. Where basically the uh, the ghosts could only be seen by looking through part of it. It was like a red <laughs> like, cellophane and a yeah, blue yeah, cellophane yeah. thing. Um, like they live style. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> homicidal in 1961. Uh, there was a fright break built into the film where a t uh, the, during the climax, uh, as the heroine is approaching a house with a sadistic killer in it, it would basically pause the film and the audience has 45 seconds to leave and get a full refund if they were true fr too frightened to see the remainder of the film. <laughs> That's so shit, but so um, great. And there's, there's yep. a whole bunch of other of these, of just oh like, these just like weird uh, things. And he was doing this up into the like the 70s, essentially. Of course. Um, and it's just again it's pure um showmanship it is real kind of like carnival-esque proper proper carny bullshit yeah, is what that yeah. Is. yeah exactly. uh sort of um uh vaudeville almost um stunts but it got people talking and we're still that's that's the thing people still talk about those films today and it's largely due to the stunts nobody's talking about most of those films because oh they were such great cinema they were so frightening it's like no that's the one where the skeleton flew out over the audience yeah exactly um and so you know it in some ways word of mouth and doing stupid shit to promote your film can secure it a place and a legacy throughout time yeah um which is why it's still done 
Absolutely. I think just to sort of tie us off, because that, that segues really nicely. Um, and also to pair with what Jack was saying about sort of missing that a bit. One thing uh, reporting as little boy Matthew in the cinema. Marketing did its best back then because it didn't have the unregulated internet. Mm. You had catchphrases, you had advertising, you had cool posters, you had whole industries trying to convince you to see this film, and they did everything they could to get to you. Uh, thankfully, we now carry everything with us all the time. Yeah. On our phones. Everywhere. And I think, I think the advent of the internet is why film taglines are a dying art. Yeah. Is because back then they were like, well, we only have so many chances to expose them to this film. Mm-hmm. We need to come up with this pithy little phrase that will stick in their brain mm-hmm. and they'll go, ooh, be afraid, be very afraid. And it will stick with them. And at times it will just come up into their subconscious and they'll go, hmm, oh yeah, what was that advertising again? But now they know, oh, we can reach them any through air, any time. We don't, we don't need to be clever. No, here's, here's we two, can do it just with exposure. Here's two examples. Uh, a poster from 1992, 93, 65 million years in the making <laughs> and a logo. It's the new Spielberg film. Mm. Oh shit! Oh whatever! It's dinosaur. Oh, I'm ready. Now one from the 2010s. Bring him home. That's Mars. Uh, the Martian. Sorry. That's uh, Mars. We, we, that's Mars. <laughs> that's Mars. No, the Martian. Great film, but just giant, giant picture of Matt Damon's face. Mm. Can't really tell he's in the bubble fucking. And we've already brought suit. him home once before. Yeah. <laughs> well, Private Ryan. Yeah, exactly. But bring him home. It's like. What? <laughs> it's like, well, you know, because he's on Mars, he's stranded, called the Martian. Mm. Why is he so close? Because <laughs> it's Matt Damon. We need to say he's in the film. It's a Matt Damon film called yeah. The Martian. Is there a Martian in it? No, he, he's the. He's, mm, you'll find out. <laughs> um, and that's the point. So when the and, and you're right, when the internet came around, you'd have all these different ways of doing it. So you had the hint of it in the 90s. And this is what just to end on because little boy Matthew say, watch all these trailers. You had a lot of gatekeeping. You had a lot of people and cult hits and things and people showing things multiple times and late night screenings because marketing was a hard thing to do and it was expensive and it had a very finite time. So you had the marketing while it was in the cinema, then the marketing when it was on home video and then the marketing when it was on TV. And by then you're like, well, I missed mm. it then, but I'll catch it then. Yeah. Um, whereas now you've got simul releases and all kinds of things. And also that's a point. And the film would be released in America and then pirated around the world because it took six, seven months to get to other countries. Sometimes it would take a year to get to Britain. Um, and it's surreal and strange because when the, ni- when the, you know, the late 90s came out and the internet became strong after you're like, oh, by the way, here's uh, Independence Day. Here's your AOL search word, ID4. Here's, <laughs> here's a website you can go to to learn about Space Jam. It's like, what the fuck would I got on the internet? And so when like, the Blair Witch Project stuff happened, the internet was and continues to reign to this day, but there were no like. We think now of the internet as like ten big sites that everybody goes to: Google, Facebook, you know, um, YouTube. YouTube. There are there are huge pillars. Twitter. Back then, you had lots of websites, and they weren't really. You had Yahoo, Alta Vista, Archives, search engines to find these things. But each site was just as valid as any other site. 
You could make well, it, anything. It, yes, it's it's interesting because we had the period where, especially in America, because it got blanketed with free AOL discs. Yeah. Um, Fucking coasters by the end. Of the yeah, year. yeah. Um, where in the early, the, the mid nineties, a lot of people considered AOL almost like that's the internet. You yeah, know, you yeah. have your AOL homepage, and America that's how online. You, yeah, that's how you get onto the internet. And it's like, well, it doesn't have to be. It's just because you've signed up with them as your provider. Yep. And there's a shocking number of people. There's like a statistic of like how many people are still on that original it, AOL plan. If I see an AOL email address, I'm like, who the fuck? How old <laughs> are you, motherfucker? Um, but uh, it's and then and then the internet started to kind of diversify. Um. Of course. Originally uh, powered by Google, funnily enough. Yeah. Um, and it did become this kind of more fractured place where there were, you know, lots and lots of websites and, you know, the, 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 the heyday of blogging and all that kind of stuff. And now it's become this very contained ecosystem again because it's now siloed off in apps and stuff like that. And there are just as many people who just think, oh, going on the internet, that's like going, well, you just go on Facebook, don't you? Or, you know, you go yeah. on TikTok. Yeah. You know, and that's 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 how you find out about stuff. And it's like, no, there's like thousands upon thousands of websites in different places you could get information from. Billions of websites. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. So it's it's interesting. But we we are we are crossing over into the well. That's the th century. that's the threshold. Yeah, because when you had the Matrix come out, for example, mm. you had people like, I want to keep talking about this. I want to keep marketing it for you, but that word of mouth, and that became, is the Matrix real? Is this a thing? And then all these boards. What and is posts, the matrix? What is the matrix? And then the classic marketing line from the film: "You have to be shown it. Yeah, you can't be told what the matrix is." Mm. I was like, "You have to see it for yourself." It's like, "Oh, then I'll go to the cinema." And then, of course, <laughs> because it had some people thinking about stuff, it was also connected to the internet and so connected to the idea of computers. And then, of course, classically, search with the matrixes online. Really yeah. So, yeah, good way to segue into like the the twenty first century and our second half is the rise of online marketing. Today's episode is sponsored by Audible. Audible has thousands of audiobooks, podcasts, comedy specials, and so much more. And we're here to enhance this fantastic experience. Because if you head to audibletrial.com sequel, you can get a month free and an audiobook on us. This is marketing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. It's designed to make you feel like you're missing out. You want audio stuff. You think, you know what? I'd like to read some more things. I don't have the time. Well, guess what? Audible's got you covered. And we're going to recommend This Is Marketing by Seth Godin. It's one of those marketing books. There's a fuck ton of them. They're all pretty awful. They're really droning and monotonous when they're read out loud. And it's like the importance of marketing is to make sure that when you're considering your marketing demographic, that you are understanding the space in which they live, operate, and many times succeed. It's like, it's dull. So maybe you could have something else, but if you wanted something tangentially related, that would be it. <clears throat> Either way, head over to audibletrial.com slash sequel for a month free and an audiobook entirely of your choice on us. Audible. Selling you shit. <laughs> Venture forth into the 21st century, boys. We've tickled it and touched upon it a couple of times. The advent of the internet. Mm. The Matrix is a real thing now. 
We're in the 21st century. Which is like all things, that doesn't mean the old methods suddenly stop. No, not at all. You mentioned about the the the, the TV series, and as Tim very eloquently put in, bumfuck Tennessee, wherever the hell Kansas. it is. Kansas. Nah, it's Tennessee oh, now. There's multiple bumfucks. Bumfuck Tennessee, bumfuck Canada, bumfuck Kansas. Bumfuck Canada? <laughs> Shit! Oh no. Point is... You still have people advertising in newspapers. You still have big billboards that never go away and just make like, what the fuck is that supposed to mean? And it drives enough intrigue and stuff. Um, but you have the internet as well. And that's where in 2008, with the advent of the smartphone, they would come for you. They would <laughs> find you wherever you were because you were taking it with you. You were actively looking at it. But again, it's also the saturation. Like, oh, great. We'll just put it in the newspaper. Everyone reads the newspaper on the way to work. It's like, yeah. And everyone's going to think to do that. So just like, oh, we'll just put it on the internet. What the fuck are you talking about? The internet is like, that's like saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to build a restaurant. And everyone's going to go there. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, I've put it here. What do you mean? Well, I put a map and there was a big gap here. So I put it there. There's no roads there. There's no people going there, you dickhead. Well, someone will find it. How? How are they going to find it? Because it's on the internet. It doesn't, doesn't mean anything. So it was still trial and error. It was still a wild west frontier of trying to find out what would and wouldn't work. And of course, as with a lot of these things, the studios had the money to find out. Mm. That's what stuck out. There, there, there are so many novel marketing campaigns and tie-ins and bits and pieces and in the last 23 years alone because we've seen giant corporations very publicly try to figure out how to do it and then a small independent film would do something novel like Blair Witch Project sort of thing. And I was like, let's do that! It's like, Oh, you don't get it, do you? Yeah. Once you've done it once, the whole thing, the the the, the marketing wheel tessellates like the fucking lament configuration or the or, or the, <laughs> the set of cube, and then you can't get in there again. Yeah. There's a there's an anecdote uh, or a, a saying about the comics industry that oh, yeah. when someone breaks into comics, the comics industry closes off the path they used to break in, and so yep. now if you want to get into comics, you've got to find a different route. Um, but yeah, I mean the the other thing that the internet changes about marketing is that uh to 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 use some real marketing speak uh, -oh. uh p marketers think that they can close the loop Ugh. Ugh. people who have any familiarity with marketing just kind of involuntarily we all felt, grown we did, yeah. yeah uh so um there's a there's a, a sort of a truism about marketing that, that dates back I, I can't remember who's originally credited with saying it or if it's one of these ones that's just Oh yes, some guy I used to work with, his boss said this once, and it's like it yeah. birthed itself into it, reality. Yeah. Which is that um, half of the money you spend on marketing or advertising, half of the money you spend is wasted. You just don't know which half. Yeah. Um. And and for context, sorry, because <coughs> I wanted to put this figure out here earlier. Film marketing, mostly declared by big studios, comes to four billion dollars every single year yeah that is an absurd and somebody's like oh yeah like like four million no four billion that's a b you could almost cure world hunger with that money <laughs> yeah that is insane that's that's an 11th of twitter <laughs> yeah <laughs> brilliant um but that's so a, the that's a lucas film yeah and so the idea is that that marketers are constantly trying to work out what it is of the advertising that they have put out that has actually had an impact on people. 
because it's it's so hard to know. And so you'll get things like, you know, back in the 20th century and still today, you get surveys and stuff like that. Oh, yeah, you'll, have seen, yeah. you'll have seen them on YouTube. Hey, do you remember seeing an ad for one of these companies recently? And then you say, none of the above and move on, um, <laughs> if you're like me. Um, and so they are constantly trying to work out, like, what is what of the advertising that we do actually impacts people? What is it that makes an impact on our sales, on our bottom line? And closing the loop is the idea that you would, at some point, eventually be able to track people's behavior so specifically that you would literally be able to see, here is where they interacted with our marketing. Top and of the here, here is where they then decided to go and see this movie or buy this burger or buy this pair of shoes or whatever. The absolute, you know, like sort of um, false thinking at the core of that is that you can't see into people's brains. So you can't actually know that it was your marketing that made them do that. All you can do is see the points where they interacted and make the assumption and you know and and marketers are constantly especially in digital marketing trying to find ways of like okay well okay well now we can people have got smartphones and we can track literally where they are in the world using the smartphone so if we have a thing that we put on the smartphone so that when they see our advert we're now for the next 30 second or for the next uh, month we're tracking everywhere they go and we can see this person we didn't show an ad to and they went and hit all these places and this person we did show an ad to and but both of them ended up at Burger King. So what the fuck? Uh, you know. I can and- say, Tim, I know exactly where you go. I know where you live. I know where you work. I know mm-hmm. what you do in your spare time. Mm-hmm. And every single one of those points, I'm going to push one movie in your face. Yeah continuously in different ways Mm -hmm. different an actor will talk about it a director will be talking about it we'll show clips from it Mm -hmm. all the things we need to do and after that like tim will have to see this film now Mm. except the film i've put out there is avatar the way of water and tim's (laughs) already like i've made my mind up about that film i'm either gonna watch it i'm not I'll get around to it somewhere over time. Yeah. So even if you do that, even if you put that in the head, you try and put as much as you can, say, mm. you don't want to miss out, Tim. You don't want to be the only one who hasn't seen yeah. Avatar to the Way of Water. It's made two billion, Tim. It's like, yeah, but I can't be fucked. Yeah. So I won't. <laughs> yeah. And it's not even necessarily about like constant bombardment. It can be like, we've planned this marketing campaign so specifically. We know to hyper target. Yeah. We know that uh, between 630 and 9.30 p.m. is when people, is when white males of this age are most likely to be thinking about what movies they want to see. So we're going to target an ad specifically onto their Twitter feed at exactly the right time and X, Y, Z and all this kind of stuff. And it's like, yeah, but sometimes people just decide to watch a movie and sometimes there they don't. Um, and so there is this constant assumption in in the 21st century and within digital marketing circles that eventually, oh, we'll be able to do it. We'll be able to accurately track people's behavior and predict how they act with such certainty that we'll have a flawless system. And, you know, the truth is, well, no one actually knows what the truth is. Uh, Things are 
because you're dealing with such large numbers of people here, you can make these incremental tiny improvements on stuff. And it turns out that like, yeah, if you serve it at the right time of day, you might get a 0.75 improvement in sales based on when you just serve it whenever, you know, uh, and, and, and you can make these tiny little improvements, but that's because you're putting these ads out to thousands of people, you know, um, Ad, internet advertising is literally sold by the thousand impressions. Yes. Um, and and, and as I say, that, that 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 incremental shift, those numbers, those percentages, don't feel like much to people like us. Yeah. But if they translate to millions of dollars in sales, yes, people go fuck it, five percent increase, I'll take that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and so there's a lot of a lot of money. And a lot of technology put behind digital advertising. And that feeling of being chased around the internet by adverts uh, is at, to the point where people now spend money on ad blockers or they, uh, you know, they use private browsing to make sure they're not getting cookies left on their computers and all, all that, that kind of stuff is, is real. Uh, you know, the thing of like, oh, I was talking to someone and uh, and then Google served me an ad uh, and I've never ever searched for uh, windscreen wiper fluid, but it served me an ad for windscreen wiper fluid. So it must have been listening to my conversation. That's bollocks. Uh, sorry yep. if that's your favorite internet conspiracy theory, but yep. the, the, your phone is not listening to you. It, it doesn't have to. It it doesn't have to. Uh, the the numbers of adverts being served are so huge that yes, sometimes you are going to have been talking about a thing and then get an ad for it. That's how the law of large numbers works. It's it's horoscope shit, right? Yeah, you exactly. Mm -hmm. Create enough stuff and enough variety of things that eventually it will apply to somebody and it'll apply to enough people that go, this was written specifically for me. Yeah. Oh my God. I did want to get a new job on next Tuesday. That's <laughs> crazy. I'm like, I have got an interview next week or I did recently go through a break. I'm like, yeah, new jobs and breakups are things that happen Millions of times a day across the world. What the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. It's an obvious thing. And marketing is the same way. Mm. We now have the power because these massive corporations have a basically infinite data about everything you do mm. to the point where, you know, TikTok and stuff has been getting banned from certain governments and certain countries because of, I don't know if you've ever looked up the permissions that TikTok has. Mm. If you carry on, you know, some apps have like the in-app browser thing. Mm. And if you click on a link from TikTok and it opens in the in-app browser, it has access to the keyboard things you were typing on your phone while you're in that browser. A lot of you probably didn't know that. I work in SEO and I did a whole episode on my other podcast about TikTok and how all this stuff works. It's literally my job to know some of this stuff. And it's fascinating to, like you said, Tim, it so quickly goes down conspiracy theory stuff. But people seeing, there was a, there was a brilliant example of this tying back to, to movie trailers and stuff and YouTube and things like that. Somebody went to watch the Mandalorian season three trailer that just came out. And the YouTube advert they got was the Mandalorian season three trailer. <laughs> so they were like, okay, cool. I guess I'll just watch the ad that yeah. loads quicker than the main video because yeah. it's an ad and that person has paid for it. And it's in like, essentially like higher def, it, it automatically loads in a higher definition, all this stuff. Cause it's preloaded and all this kind of thing. So there's way less, ba less bandwidth you're using. So usually, you know, oh, maybe you'd have to wait for it till maybe you're on like a 4G connection or a 3G connection, whatever it is. 
this ad just loaded. And they were like, cool, I'll take that. I've seen polar opposite examples where like some people have managed to get pirated movies onto YouTube ads and things like mm. that. And independent filmmakers have used that to their advantage. We joked about it a couple of weeks ago with uh, Weird Al saying like, don't pirate my movie, but secretly pirate my movie because mm-hmm. nobody can get it. And people turning piracy and, and shit like that into advertising and marketing and kind of instead of fighting against this wave of the modern internet stuff and as soon as you say like oh pirates are all idiots and they're all nerds dwelling in their basement a bunch of the audience switches off and goes like oh fuck they don't understand the internet okay great whereas if you start to embrace that stuff and if you can use it in clever and inventive ways oh hey if you pirate my film i'm fine with that I made my money, I don't care, fuck the studio. Or you do something unusual with like, oh, if you download this digitally, then you get a different thing with it or an extra piece of you know, piece of the mm. film or whatever it is. There's ways that people are finally starting to embrace the internet in all its positives and negatives. And because you have massive companies like Google having all of this data... We all know about the internet at this point. So now the big corporations are starting to kind of cotton on to how the internet works and how to kind of delve around the dark, <laughs> not the dark web literally, but you know what I mean. <laughs> the dusty corners. Yes, the dusty corners. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. The nooks and the crannies of the world. And, and you, you know, back to the, the, uh, the segue, the evolution, the smear, as it were. In the same way we say, oh, this is an 80s film, this is a 90s film. I'm like, yeah, but... It was filmed three or four years prior, so it still feels like a different time period. Mm. In the same way that you have like Kamel Nanjiani being interviewed on TV and talking about how the big sick is available somehow for free on Pornhub. Mm. And yes. then you're like, well, I'll go watch it there then. Yeah. <laughs> You've actively encouraged through your promotion of this movie piracy. Yeah. Inadvertently. Um, and it's like, well, I could do a takedown order. They just choose not to. Mm. Um, there's all kinds of things like that. But from a marketing side of things, that's the intentional, the unintentional, as Jack said, the idea that people are still trying to figure out, people are still trying to figure the internet out in a way. Oh, massively so, yeah. Yeah, mm. of, of how to make it work. And to talk about that closing the loop, for example, um, and how nauseating that is because the truth is with marketing, you will always, uh, you will always fail. Yeah. Because your goal is to get as many people paying for your product. And the majority of people, you know, there's a collection of people who already wanted it and just need to know where to go to give it to you, the mm. money that is. And the other ones are like, eh, maybe, but that's not good enough. The numbers you need to move, the, the fucking Avengers Endgame numbers, the, the, you know, the Avatar numbers, that's not enough. It has to be us film nerds, you guys listening to this show because um, everyone out there listening you are, whether you understand it or not, invested in film. Ah, have you spoken to some of our listeners? <laughs> no, no, no. You have taken the time mm. to listen to someone talking about film. You are, even if it's just through what we think of it, we are the word of mouth. We are the thing. We are pushing it. If we were unscrupulous individuals promoting things because people are paying us to, that's marketing, which we always, we always tell Audible you when we're marketing slash sequel. Yeah, we do we <laughs> tell you when we're marketing. Literally, <laughs> earlier in this podcast, we talked about how, prior to the start, Matt and I were talking about Barbarian, <laughs> and then we were like, Jack, don't find out anymore. Go see it. And yep. some people are going to lis- have listened to that and gone, oh, I should check out Barbarian. Available now on Disney Plus, the UK. Yeah. 
And that, that's, not sponsored, but I did, unfortunately. That thing, not sponsored. <laughs> so it's the idea that this is the word of mouth thing. This is the thing that's spreading around. And um, so you're connected to it. We're connected to it. But the people is, the ones you tend to think about is like most people's, without being too rude, film illiterate parents <laughs> who are like, I want to go see a movie. I see one a year. And you're like, oh, Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. Is it the same movie you see every year? Oh, yes, yes, yes. Mm -hmm. And similarly, in a very strange bell curve kind of way, children have no fucking clue. <laughs> so usually it's, that looks colorful, that looks fun, that looks loud, mm -hmm. which then leads to the teenagers, that looks like I might see a boob. You won't. Mm. <laughs> but fuck it, I'll go see it. Or a um, head explode. Yeah, exactly. And then you learn about bits and pieces. And some, some people never escape that. Some people still go, hey, I'm 37. And you know what? I might see a boob or yeah. a head explode. And that's all I'm after. Fair cop. But the marketing doesn't care. The marketing angle is, I need everybody to see this. And that's where you have that big divide. So you have like a Robert Eggers movie. The Northman comes out. Now they know as a studio, A24, and everyone distributing it around the world and we're distributing it. So, mm. Right, here's our 21st century solution. We have, whew, we've got to get it out there. So let's put trailers in the cinema. Let's put them specifically before certain movies so you think it's an action film. Mm. It's kind of not. It's more of a creepy, weird, semi-fantasy kind of thing going on. There's a lot of different sort of vibes of what this thing mm. is, but it's very unknowable. Mm. So we'll put it to, we can't put it before. But the important thing is we can cut a trailer so it looks like an action film. Precisely. Do that. Get it online. Get it to all the places. Right. Okay, fine. What else can we do this? Okay. We'll have interviews done with Alexander Skarsgård and he can be talking about those GQ mm. motherfuckers about how he has the most ridiculous traps or what the fuck mm. ever. How his body looks like a fucking bear mm. and it makes no sense. Then we've got all the art nerds talking about the cinematography and loving Robert Eggers. Great. Those people are already sold. How do I get the general public? What we'll do is we'll put a big boring ass poster in all the undergrounds, all the subways, mm. all the train stations, all the buses with just, you know, here's Skarsgård. Big mm. beefy Viking. It's a Viking film. Get Nicole Kidman on there. Yeah, people wouldn't recognize Nicole Kidman, put her on yeah. there. The reason I bring this one up specifically, by the way, mm. is because there is a very famous uh, incident, I think it mostly happened in London, of these posters all over the place. And it's just like, doof, there's Skarsgård, mm. there's Willem Dafoe, there's Nicole Kidman, mm. there's Ethan Hawke. Fuck me, this is a big, mm. epic film. What a cast. And people liked the Queen's Gambit. Let's stick Anya Taylor-Joy on yep. there. Put her on there. I say, oh my God, this has everybody in it. It looks mm. like it's going to be a huge thing. What is it? And remember I mentioned earlier about how you can do the whole like bold, mm -mm. Uh, inventive, everyone's talking about it sort of thing by leaving off certain details? Not always the case. Sometimes you put out so much fucking shit and you don't think about it. You don't have time to really um, check the stuff and sign off <laughs> Quality on control. Precisely. Mm. So they didn't put the fucking title on it. <laughs> so it never said what the film was. And you're like, what? <laughs> but because people then started talking about that and it went viral on Twitter, the Northman got around. Like, oh, mm. it's the Northman. Oh, now I know that. No, I'll watch it. Mm. And that's the interesting thing about the internet is that it enables you to have all of these, you can still do all of the stunt marketing. You can still have inventive posters or um, sort of uh, your equivalent of your like, oh, they've got this uh, billboard in Times Square that blows smoke rings out across the, 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 the oh, city yeah. and stuff like that. But there's a chance now that if you do something that is really interesting, that someone will take a photo of it. 
or take a video of it and it will go up on Facebook, on Twitter, on YouTube, on TikTok, on one of these platforms. And probably if it goes, if it starts going viral on one, it'll get replicated across all the other places, probably not by the original poster because that's the way the internet works and there'll be no attribution. Um, But the marketing company doesn't care because they're not paying for it. No, exactly. And so, you know, there's this whole focus on viral marketing because what they essentially want is for the people that they're marketing to to do their job for them. That's it. Because if you start post, if you see an interesting poster or you see a trailer that you, you know, grabs you in an interesting way and you start talking about it online or even better, you start sharing it online, you are doing the studio's job for them and they love that. Um, And so you start and it feels like maybe maybe this is just how plugged in we are. Maybe it's the influence of the internet. It feels like in the last 10, maybe 15 years, when the idea of like things going viral, quote unquote, mm, yeah. has actually become has spread about and, and has become marketing speak and stuff like that, there's been a rise in these kind of stunt things to try and get uh, stuff, people talking about it on the internet, essentially doing weird things. It's the Will Castle thing. You're trying to manufacture it. Exactly. Yeah. And it goes back to that William Castle stuff, except the reach of that is now global. Exactly. And so you can do things like, to quote, or to talk about a recent one, is that you can hire people to go sit in the crowd of a baseball game and just stare creepily at the cameras because they know where they are and smile because your movie is called Smile. Smile. And it's about people (laughs) smiling in a creepy way and there's some (laughs) ring bullshit going on or something, I don't know. It follows or, or we, whatever. We don't even know. We don't even know. I haven't don't seen need to it. Know. It's the thing about smiling. But I've seen those people at the baseball yep. games and behind the, like, Good Morning America or whatever, staring through the window, kind of smiling creepily. And see, this is the marketing question of the idea of return of investment. God, there's a lot of wanky fucking speak in this thing. <laughs> the ROI on it is interesting because it's like, we are talking about that marketing campaign. Therefore, the marketing campaign was a success. But you didn't see the film, Tim. No. You didn't see the film, Jack. So technically, did it actually work? It's did like, you, Matthew? Yeah, I've seen it. No, of it's all right. Of uh, and it's the whole idea of like, yeah, but I'm, I'm the worst person because I'm going to go see it anyway. That's yeah. true. Yeah. Um, Even if you know something's bad, you're still going to go see it. See it. Yeah. You, have a, you have a problem. <clears throat> yeah. This is an intervention. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> you, can't, you can't close the loop on Matthew Stockton. Yeah, if you want to stop me, you're going to have to fucking kill me. <laughs> I'll come back to TikTok in a second. Um, but the idea is that... Um, the marketing kind of works because they set up the conditions for it to work and then just say it was a success no matter what because someone's talking about it because that's all that you wanted it to be. And Tim, you mentioned that thing about advocacy because I mentioned about gatekeeping in the 90s and how it became very problem or the, the 20th century, sorry. And you, How do you spread this around? Someone's got a videotape they're sharing around. It's like, yeah, but you're, not, you're sharing the idea of the movie, but no one's making any money off that. Whereas now, and as a podcast, unfortunately, we understand this. If you listen to the show, uh, thank you. Um, and if you uh, are on Patreon, thank you. Um, that directly supports the show. Direct, it's the most direct thing you can do. That being said, the advocacy. Mm. If I tell you, Sequelize is a great show. People go, hey, yeah, yeah, you would say it, you're in it. 
if we go on like uh have a uh, we, we we had a, a, a an advert technically in the times yes because we were in, yeah, yeah through pod bible yeah, yeah yeah for those outside of britain the times isn't like the london times because that doesn't exist even though films always says like the london times well and, they say that on like legitimate american news broadcasters yes. you say yes. the times of london it's yeah. like no. no it's we have national newspapers that aren't bullshit because um, britain is a lot smaller yeah yes. so you don't have new york times atlanta times it's like just the times for the country the point is we were in that and it's a big big deal for us that's still us telling you and effectively paying for the ad spaces all these things if we wanted to say on someone else's podcast here's a advert, and now cutting away for another advert is a sting it's like hi we're the sequelizers we do this show come and join us you know what the fuck ever that's good that goes a long way that gets saturation out there that's what marketing is the one that does us the most good though and we always jack always brings up at the start of the show if you the listener advocate for us if mm. you do the marketing job for us by telling people about our show and similarly we understand that so we say like hey M from Verbal Diamond is amazing. Go listen to Verbal Diamond. Yeah. Um, we mention that it becomes a sort of, it's not a paid sponsor bit. No. It's just saying we like to support them. When people we've crossed over with before, like That's exactly Rich it. and David Unequal Sequel and yep. Harley at Fundamentals. Yep. Like we've had these crossovers and stuff like that because we enjoy their stuff and yes. we understand there's that audience. We have the platform crossover kind of thing. And that leads me very nicely Ooh. into a lot of what I've been experiencing, not let's say recently, but again in that kind of like 10 year period recently, because podcasts are such a thing now. They're fucking everyone and their mum as a podcast, especially thanks yeah. to the pandemic. Recently, and I'm going to talk about video games briefly. This is relevant. Bear with me. I promise. The game Callisto Protocol came out end of last year. Oh, yeah. It's fine. For all <laughs> intents and purposes, it's kind of like Dead Space, but uh, not really I'd Dead Space. I'd go further. I'd say it's bad. Well, no, a lot of people think it's fine. Yeah, they're wrong. Yeah. Um, it's a sci-fi horror type thing. You don't really need to know the details. That's not the point. Yeah. But they had a tie-in podcast, a, mini, a narrative mini-series that is essentially a prequel to the video game. And that's where all of the story happened, basically. It had Gwendolyn Christie from uh, Star Wars and Game of Thrones and stuff. And, um, Sandman, and, like, really well-known actors. She's fantastic. Her voice acting is brilliant. Yeah. And it's basically a mini-series audio drama setting up the events of the game that lead into this big sci-fi horror type thing. And movies have also done this. They have these prequel comics. They have movie tie-in video games and stuff like that. We, that happened in the 20th century as well. A lot of them were shit. One I, I brought up in the Dragonheart episode in last season, where the official tie-in game on the like main consoles was dog shit, and the one on the Game Boy was weird and completely different, <laughs> actually quite interesting and <laughs> unique and that kind of thing. And in the sort of like, around sort of Batman begins through to sort of, I don't know, for the, for the next 10 years after that, so like mid-2000s to the mid-2010s, we had this everybody churn out a movie adaptation video game and just chuck it in there. Just <laughs> make whatever you want. There's a Batman Begins game. There's a, there's a fucking all the like... Wolverine, Constantine, there's every fucking thing. The Wolverine Crow 2. <laughs> exactly. Every fucking movie would get a incredibly rushed, poorly made, almost guaranteed to be poorly received 
video game tie-in, that it became a running joke in both industries that it's a terrible idea. And vice versa, you would get video game movies, something we have also talked about on this show before, all the way back when Stuart Asim was on the show, we had that as his final episode, we're talking about video game movies and how it all ties in, and again, it's a running joke of you can't do a good adaptation from a video game bringing it onto the big screen. And then suddenly we had a run of a few. It's like, I mean, Sonic the Hedgehog wasn't... That was, that was, well, I thought it was actually mm. quite good. Sonic 2. It's pretty, pretty good. Detective Pikachu. Detective Pikachu. It's pretty good. Shot like, on film. Yeah. Yeah. But like, what's going on here? And at the time of recording, The Last of Us has just come out on HBO. I know not the big screen, but adapting to the small screen. Uh, HBO's like got that. a budget. It's not fucking far off. Exactly. Yeah. It's pretty much... Uh, a similar kind of scale. It's a nine-episode first season, apparently, and all this kind of stuff. But the fact that we are in this weird transitional period where what had become a joke in both the movie and the video game industry is now a totally plausible thing that can happen. Of like, yeah, Sonic made a shit ton of money, and then the world ended for like two years, <laughs> yeah. and then Sonic Two came out and made also a lot of money. Because Sonic was the highest grossing film of the year because the world ended for two years. Yeah. It's, it was the last thing so I saw Sonic and Parasite basically back yeah. to back like the week before lockdown happened and all this kind of stuff. And the fact that we went through that period of, oh yeah, video game stuff is like, we will just churn it out and whatever. And now we're almost the reverse of that where everything is prestige, everything is super high budget. And suddenly, we got a marketing budget of like, fuck, should we just make a video game? Like, yeah, sure, just chuck it out and establish thing. They will basically reskin their characters to turn it into, it's basically like Mortal Kombat, but fucking, it's this, it's Back to the Future, but Mortal Kombat. Fight Club. Fight Club. (laughs) Fight. There's the Warriors has a video game. Yeah, actually, quite good. Warriors makes sense. Fight Club does not. That came out thirty years ago. But that's the perfect example of that Fight Club stuff. That's not the point of the movie. It's not a fighting movie. It shouldn't be made into a fighting game. They also did that for the Watchmen film. They had a two video games, for some fucking reason, that were like 3D beat-em-up things where you're running around as Night Owl and Silk Spectre <laughs> beating the shit out of prisoners and stuff. And like, this is... Did you... Did you read the... <laughs> have you seen the... Oh, fuck. Just like Zack Snyder, you fundamentally misunderstood the original thing. There's um, there's a great Polygon video where it talks about how uh, it's it talks about things like the Fight Club video game, the Godfather video game, yep. oh, yeah. all of these, uh, the Scarface one, and it's saying like they're not actually the video games of the movies; they're the video games of the posters of the movies. <laughs> um, very very astute because they're just like. Yeah, The Godfather's this like meditation on power and family and like corruption and you know the things that you're willing to sacrifice and stuff. But the, what if it was Sims, but the mafia? But the mm-hmm. but the poster is just uh, is just this cool guy in black and white saying, yeah. "I made him an offer he can't refuse," and it's like, yeah, so that uh, yeah that that video that's a lot easier to turn into a video game. <laughs> Grand Theft Auto's out, right? We can just do that. Yeah, yeah. just yeah. do that, but with some uh, digitally with- captured James Caan. <laughs> It's the only um, way you catch, can catch James Carr. Uh, well, no. That and a pokeball. Yeah. You have to wait for him near a car crash and use time to a bed and then hobble him. Jesus Christ. Misery, everybody. Um, 
I want to actually segue back to just just prior to the internet a little bit because the internet's still around at this point, but in a different way. We we closed off the first half talking about the Matrix. I want to talk about the Matrix again because in terms of novel marketing campaigns, this is a fucking bold one because mm-hmm. every single aspect of it was quite aggressive in how different it was, <laughs> even though it was doing exactly the same thing. So, Matrix Reloaded comes out or is about to come out. And the first thing they say is like, right, they all got these cool sunglasses. <laughs> They're available everywhere now. Yep. Okay. You can, you know, people dress up. People were dressing up to, uh, in cosplay stuff. It's like, I'm an agent. I'm a runner. Uh, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a whatever the fuck I am. Watching the first uh, mm. Matrix film, like, we're going to capitalize on that. Sell to those fuckers. Um, what else we got? We got this poster campaign. Cool. Just do character characters. Is there like a whole thing for both of them? No, no, no. We've got nine character posters. What's the standard? What's the film poster? Well, Keanu Reeves, I guess, but it's all, each one is important. It's like, okay. And all of them cut off below the eyes. Yeah. It's like, what? The top of the poster is cropped. It's like, <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. It's like, yeah, and you're talking about it. And I mm. still maintain that one. Fucking cool. Mm. I don't understand how or why, but they were on a solid white background. Anyway, so literally, effectively dull, but mm. captivating. I mean, the, uh, to mm. hijack you slightly, Go ahead. they also had, as well as the sunglasses thing, mm. when the first Matrix came out and you had that moment where uh, Neo gets sent a phone, yep. gets out of the package, looks at it in a very old way that no one ever looks at a phone, nope. um, <laughs> and then it starts ringing and he uh, opens it up Except it's got that little shunk thing on yeah. it. Um, and people were like, that's a cool moment and that's a cool phone. I'm going to go buy that phone. And so when the second one came out, they were like, well, this time we're going to fucking design a phone so that we, we get some money for that. Because we just used a phone we thought was cool. That's Product exactly placement, it. baby. The first yeah. one was a Nokia. That's a good thing. Thank you, Sam. Because it was, it was like, first one was a Nokia phone. Second's like, we're going to have Samsung design this ridiculous fucking phone. Yeah. It goes, chunk, and we're having it in the film. And it's like, okay let's go further because it's not just the whole like i want to p- get a happy meal of whatever it's like we're, we're marketing to people with disposable- i want my merovingian happy meal <laughs> like wiping your ass with silk <laughs> 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 uh, the mcnuggets <laughs> i just had a special type of mcflurry sent to her table <laughs> through her body she's like what is this i don't know but she's having an orgasm um, I, I will tell you what She's loving it. <laughs> the Mukvengian? No! <laughs> there it is. So on top of that, there were, there were three other big things. And these are th- things kind of 20th century results, but they're still things. So there was the ARG stuff, which, was the, which is what we'll get to in a second. But the 20th century results were, we're going to have tie-in comics. These are stories that yep. are continuing in the universe because the universe is so mm. strong. It's like, great. And they're, you know, official, authorized by the Wachowskis, et cetera, et cetera. We're also going to have an anime series. Like, what do you mean? We're going to have different episodes which have done by different creators and they're going to be online. You have to download them. It's like, oh, like Love, Death and Robots. Sure. <laughs> I mean, it is. Yeah, no, it is literally. But I mean, more the sense that this was in the run up to the film. It's like, I want to learn about this movie. I want to absorb all the information I can. It's like, well, watch this movie we made for you. Look, come on to the Animatrix. Yes. This week on the Animatrix, this oh, story. So cool. Genius idea. So and- cool. And Some they, of them are terrible. Some of them are yeah. brilliant. That's the, 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 a lot the, of them are in the middle. <laughs> <laughs> but this is true. <laughs> but some of them tied 
directly into the film. If you didn't Some watch of them, them, like matter quite a lot to exactly. the lore and stuff. Yeah. And this is where it gets a bit like, oh, this marketing did and didn't work because it was like, if you haven't seen this, you're going to be a little lost. And so similarly, did, was it Enter the Matrix? I was about Path to say, of Neo, the video game. Yeah, the video game. The video game like... is frustrating because I played that. I was all I was sucking that tailpipe hard. <laughs> I was like, mm -hmm. give me all the information I want about this thing. I want to download it all into my brain. I want to dial right in, man. But the problem was, well, if you play the video game, which I didn't appreciate, I was like, oh, this cut sequence is incredibly good, and this is the film. <laughs> oh, shit. And you play as, like, Ghost and Sparks and Niobe and stuff, mm. and you're like, wait, wait, this isn't, this isn't a prequel to the movie as the comics. It's, it's this is simultaneous is, yeah, to the movie. This is the movie. Yeah. Shit. So it's the kind of like, do you want to, you kind of had to see it before so you'd understand the full picture of like, like, oh, your team's going to do this. Niobe, your team's going to go take out this power plant stuff. And you're like, okay, fine. Then it cuts to it and she's just there and it's like, it's done. And it blows up. And you're like, oh, that's a bit stupid. But if you played the game, you did that. You feel involved. It's almost like you should watch some of the film, then pause it, play the video game for a bit. Yeah. Then come back to it, then unpause the movie, watch a bit of the movie. What a terrible fucking idea. But that's the point. At the time, it but was- But it's unique it's and unique. interesting. It was not, no yeah. one, and people try to do similar stuff and still kind of do, and it kind of doesn't work. And you'd have the early days of the internet, the early 2000s, was a mess of, we're going to try and get this done. How are we going to do it? We'll release a Winamp skin. Now, if you don't know what a Winamp skin is, <laughs> you're a child. <laughs> or a very old person. Um, but basically, it was the idea of like, that was an MP3. If you don't know what an MP3 is. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, it was, it was the idea of like, you know. It's, it's what this podcast is. Yeah. You're listening to one right now. Yeah, and it was, it's like, you know, it's, it's the way you could like sell the idea of it. And we've got an animated background for your, com for, mm. for your computers, for your but, PC but, units. By the way, for people who do remember what those were, uh, there is an online archive of Winamp skins. Oh my that god! Still exists. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, right now. <laughs> but that's if I they... don't talk for the next ten minutes of the podcast, you know, you know what I'm doing. I remember having because the novelty of like, oh, you can get yeah. you can download the official high res uh, background yep, of yep. like the wallpaper of Van Helsing. Here are the six different versions. Like, wow. Look how cool I am. So skins.webamp.org if you'd like to. The, the, oh, nice. The, the Winamp Skin Museum. Yeah. And you just like change the icons on your computer to match the movie coming out. And then you got animated versions of the computer got more exploring, like trying to have the matrix crawl sort of mm. text. Like, this shit was, I don't want to say important, it was just feeding that nerd culture. And because again, it was all marketing. It was all ways that people, in the hope that someone in their office might have changed them, someone might go, oh, what's that? What's that background? Think called Van Helsing. What's, what's, what's that? <laughs> Hugh Jackman. Who's Hugh Jackman? Well, he's the guy who was in that Wolverine film. Yeah, the, the sequel to Underworld, according to my life. Oh, 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 I mean, it's not far I know, off. I know. I, yeah, to be fair. <laughs> but that there was, the, there was the early way of trying to get this out there. And uh, like AOL keywords. And, and, and this is before... Ha There's actually a track you can go from posters having AOL keywords and think, what the fuck are you talking about? It's like, I'm giving you something to search so you know what to look for to find us. Because if you just type in Independence Day, you're going to get stuff about fucking american independence yeah. day not the movie um that's why it said id4 and everything is that that meant anything and then you get to the whole use the hashtag it only is a way to find things on social media when social media became a huge prevalent thing to market to and get on there and then finally it's now a tiktok sound i don't need to know if wednesday was a success or not no. i know it's a huge success on its tv but no. huge success because everyone's seen a clip 
of um, I hate that you're right, Jenna Ortega dancing to a song that isn't in the fucking show. A high, a sort of sped up version of a Lady Gaga song. And it's like, yeah, because I've seen that over and over and over. And you think, I'm going to watch this thing now. And when Netflix were confirming the second season was coming out, they said, oh, it's been brutal. I've seen people imitate me and it's been torture. Thank you very much. And then it cuts to the song and her doing the dance. Because it's like, yeah, because they've now capitalized on that marketing yep. to tell you about the marketing that they didn't even make. Yeah. Because you're doing it for yourself because you want to succeed. It's so, it's so insidious and mad. You mentioned three sweet little letters earlier there, Matthew. Oh, dear. A-R-G's. I mm -hmm. did. I wanted to sort of leave that one on because the Matrix had one, but I wanted to go to this because there's a whole thing about that. Cloverfield is the one that caught my attention back in the day. Yep. It's old king of the mystery box himself, J.J. Abrams, building another fucking mystery box because... Oh boy, does he love setting up things and then not having any answers for those things. <laughs> That's kind of his entire fucking career until the rise of Skywalker and we learned, oh, we don't like the answers either. Ooh, no, thank you. Yeah. It's fine, thank you. But yeah, Cloverfield basically took over the internet because everyone was talking about this weird website and there were codes to crack and vaults to unlock and mm. video clips you had to pause and rewind and all kinds of crazy shit that would give you more information about the clover, whatever the fuck that was, and trying to understand what the hell is going on. And the fact that the film itself plays the monster so mysteriously until the very, very end. Everybody, you never get a full clear shot of the monster. So you're like, okay, maybe if I find it on the internet, I can find out. And then you can find out more information. And then it turns into... I hate to say it, coming back to the whole trailer analysis bullshit that we have now, almost tied into that, because right at the very end, <gasps> something fell into the water. Oh my God, there's another thing. It's an alien. It's a satellite. It's, a, it's something else. What could it be? The thing is alive. Somebody whispers, it's alive at the end. Oh my God. And then it was like, so what's going on in this website? Okay, so some guys cracked the level, the first level, and unlocked this clip that's like a black and white thing. And then we're trying to work out what this is. And what ARGs, they kind of, I feel they're very kind of flash in the pan kind of thing. You're right, Matt, that, that the Matrix was such a thing. Mm -hmm. And it's this augmented reality thing where you are manipulating things on a website or... Well, tell, tell them what the G stands for, because that's important. Game. There it is. <laughs> it's an interactive element, right? That's, that's the key there, where it's this... You're doing puzzles and unlocking different things and, and solving clues and all this kind of stuff. And that level of engagement, it ties into the typical like tie-in video game stuff where once you have that interactivity, you're able to project yourself into the shoes of like, oh my God, I'm like a scientist studying the monster in the universe. I'm part of the world now and all this kind of stuff. Same with the Matrix. You're trying to unlock what's going on how does this all work how do we live in a simulation there have been sightings of this neo character is this mm. the matrix have we yeah, actually been exactly yeah, yeah yeah and and i think you're right when you say it was a bit of a flash in the pan and it also only works for a very specific kind of film or tv show and it, it i feel like it kind of came out of the hubbub around the Blair Witch Project. Yeah. Because they used some very clever online marketing that blurred the lines between reality and the fiction of the film. 
and then you had the matrix which didn't use it initially the the, the original film didn't use anything particularly like that it used much more conventional marketing but because it was such a hit with people who were very online yeah, and this yeah. was at a time when there was this kind of big bulletin board culture on the internet it's and all stuff like that and stuff, isn't message it? Yeah. boards and 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 whatnot it grew a culture on there and the Wachowskis being aware of that and the, the producers of the film being aware of that, mm. they knew that when they came around to making the sequels, oh, we can capitalize on that and we can A, do something for the fans, but also by doing this, we will drive conversations people will be talking about and then you'll get press coverage of, hey, there's this whole culture of people online who are chasing down these clues about this new Matrix movie. And again you got you had this very specific window because now if you try and do something like that because the volume of people on the internet has increased and the number of places people hang out on the internet has decreased now you would just go to a subreddit for that movie and it would be the the number one post would be here's all the clues in the RG, yep. here's the solve solution yep. for it yep. here's the files yep. that you you would be looking for yep and you could still engage in it with it if you want but uh, we, we've solved it all for you because uh, there is a critical mass. It, uh, pe- um, uh, I think Dan Harmon talked about trying to come up with like clever mm. plots on Rick and Morty mm. or, or, or clever cliffhangers between seasons mm. was impossible because the number of people discussing the show online was at such a mass that somebody's going to work it if you if you try and be clever and layer in clues as to what's going to happen then there's enough people that someone will come up with the right idea lost lost was people guess the ending basically people guess the ending and then they tried to backpedal and there's been various other things that have done that i think um the game of thrones people like change shit because Get me started <laughs> with that they, shit. Yeah, they um, changed things, but also mm. made it the most unpredictable ending. Yeah. Because then people couldn't have guessed it, but also the most, therefore, unsatisfying ending. Exactly. Then there's the brilliant quote from, funnily enough, George R. R. Martin, creator of mm. Game of Thrones, who says, if you've spent 15 years basically saying that the butler did it, mm. the butler probably did it. Yeah. Don't just yeah. subvert expectations for the sake of subverting expectations. Yeah. Which is exactly what um, D.B. Weiss and David Benioff mm. did when it came to creating those final two seasons of Game of Thrones. Mm. Is well, everybody knows that this is a thing, and they had spent the last two mm. seasons because they went past the books essentially, mm. confirming all of these fan theories that have mm. been around again, like you said, Tim, circulating around the internet yeah. for years and years and years. The books originally coming out in the '90s had been coming out all that time, and people have spent decades stewing on mm. like, well, that doesn't make sense, if their lineage is this, and that means, oh my god, that means this, and then yeah. this, and then blah blah blah, and it's like song of ice and fire, of course. Like there's there's all the people who are like, it can't it can't be R plus L equals J. That's too obvious. It's like it's only obvious because it's been eleven years since the last book, and you've had all of this time to obsess over it and yep. pick apart every clue. If the books had been coming out every two years, that would still be a massive plot twist. Yep. But you've had this time, and and enough, and the books are popular enough that every possible permutation of the theories that you know could be has been chewed over that's how you get stuff like Tyrion is a time traveling fetus <laughs> <laughs> that's an actual game it of is, thrones yes, fan yeah it is yeah and the interesting thing to me is you may be thinking to yourself a lot of tv talk uh, but it, it took us a while it took us a while to get here 
But let's talk about the MCU. Hey! Um, I nearly, nearly mentioned it about 90 seconds into the episode, and I very consciously didn't. <laughs> so it's taken us until almost the entire episode. <laughs> I'm so proud of us, boys. Yeah, uh, pretty good. Yeah. Now, the reason I bring it up a is record, because there's like three or four examples I want to whip through very, oh, very, 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 very quickly. So the TV thing is, like, you know, this was never really a problem for films because you didn't have to worry about that shit. Your marketing was just like, ah, they may spoil the movie. Hopefully they don't keep the secret safe, you know, keep the doors locked for the, for the spoilers, blah, 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 that kind of stuff. Uh, a thing's gone online. It's assigned by, you know, um, the director saying, please don't spoil the movie. It's very important. We have that. We worked very hard for this, blah, blah. Fine. And for films, people tend to do that. For TV, they do not. Um, but uh, the, the, Instantly the, on Twitter. The reason I bring up the TV stuff is because thanks to the MCU's episodic nature, we do have that spoiler thing. When end, uh, Infinity War ended <clears throat> and all the people are like, ah, I know the comics, I know what's going to happen. I'm like, no, you don't know what's going to happen. It's just because it's called Infinity War. It's not it's like the Infinity Gauntlet War sort of uh, arc because a lot of the characters aren't in place anymore. So we don't know, you know what's going to happen. but. People were just discussing it. And that became an event. Because it meant that, well, everyone has to watch Ant-Man and the Wasp now. Yeah. Why? Because I have to know what the fuck is happening. You know, it's the whole, like, what's on the next episode. So you had all these people talking about, oh my God, have you seen this? And it was just the world. But it's it's what made Endgame become one of the highest grossing films of all time. Mm. It was the culmination of all this stuff. It felt like a season finale. There we go. And... It wasn't just the nerds. It was everyone saying, well, they can't all be dead. I have to see what happens. And I have to do it before the internet tells me or ruins it. I want to experience it for myself. I'll go to the cinema. And subsequently, this, this idea that you know, it gets out there. So, and, and that's what Disney's always counting on. That, that number will grow and grow and grow and increase and increase. Yeah. And then you get the idea that Disney now doesn't have, as I mentioned earlier about the marketing, uh, of like, just tell me the release date. Marketing for Disney, uh, for, for Marvel, MCU films, you see almost nothing of the movie. Intentionally, they, sh- they sometimes show you <laughs> except, things... Except if you watch the latest Ant-Man and Quantumania oh, trailer. Just, just the yeah. entire film. That, that's where you get them to, because if it's like a side one or a smaller one, they're like, but they might not want to watch it. Yeah. Put all the stuff in and, there. And, and Kang's going to be a big deal. We need to get people to see this. Push, 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 push. Uh, exactly. So subsequently you get like, you know, I mean, um, the Avengers ones are the, be- the most key examples because mm. you see, uh, we, we talk about the, one of the greatest trailers being the Ultron first trailer with the Pinocchio stuff. There are no strings on me. That one. So good. The Infinity War one as well being quite daunting and terrifying. The Endgame mm. one showing you next to nothing because mm-hmm. they don't want to give anything away. And that's showing you old footage and yes. fake footage. <laughs> that, that's exactly it. And uh, everything in between is like, well, we're not sure. And the things they're trying to show you for No Way Home to hide how yes. many Spidermans are in the movie or are not in the movie. Um, I, I could spoil that one. Um, but that's the point. The marketing has to consider all this stuff. And it's trying to just, it's trying to show you nothing while tell you everything. And therefore, what they try and do then is like, we've got the cult of these people. We've got the idea of these, we talk about you know, the, the, the rise of the, the, the superstar celebrity going on shows and all that sort of stuff. So you end up with, we'll just have the cast of Avengers playing a family feuds kind of thing on a fucking <laughs> Jimmy Kimmel show. It's like, how's that selling the movie? 
because you're thinking about those motherfuckers. Yeah. <laughs> and where do I see all these people together? Avengers. Yeah. And that, that, that's all it comes down to. So, oh, yeah. he's one of the Avengers now. When he comes in his own film, I'll watch that. Yeah. It's 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 the parasocial nature to it. Mm. And where where are we going to bring them all together? On ABC's late night show, mm-hmm. which we also own. Exactly. It's the exclusive through the stuff that we have. So it means also the film nerds will want to catch some sort of glimpse in case someone slips up and tells you something and so mm. they'll watch the show. It becomes marketing for marketing for marketing for marketing. And it's all mm. incestuous in a weird mm. way. Um, and it's fascinating how all these avenues bleed eventually into one another to sell everything and nothing at the same time. It's so surreal. Um, and they're just trying to get the money out of you because that's all that matters. But with something like the, uh, the Disney stuff, they're also then saying the marketing is also for the parks, for the, mm-hmm. the place that they make their money, that they, that where they want to, to funnel it through. I, we're sort of reaching the, the conclusion here. And um, I want to take us from the MCU and the huge budget that Disney has at their disposal to something with a very limited budget. And I also mm-hmm. want to take us uh, very early on, Matt, you discussed the cabinet of Dr. Caligari. I did. The power of the mysterious billboard. Um, from oh, a very, fucking Tim. I know from, where you're going with this. From a very early film. And uh, I want to I have a, a, a similar example, but from the 21st century. <laughs> because I I want to talk about a little film from 2004 called The Room. Good night, everybody. And uh, for people who are not familiar with The Room, good lord, it is widely regarded as one of the worst films ever. It has a cult following, and the reason that it accrued that cult following is because it was made extremely cheaply by a weird, mysterious, <laughs> ambiguously foreign... Um, American. American, quote-unquote, yeah. filmmaker named Tommy Wiseau. Um, and he was like, well, how are we going to advertise this film? I know. Movies have billboards. I'm going to purchase a billboard. What's going to be on the billboard? Well, it's going to say The Room. That's the name of the movie. It's going to have the Movie. That's our website for the movie. And then I'm the star, as well as writing and directing it. And so it's just it going to be a big picture of my ugly face yep. staring out over Los Angeles traffic. And people would drive past it and they would go, what the fuck, fuck is, is that? that? <laughs> what is this Frankenstein-looking motherfucker? And what, <laughs> what is the room? <laughs> and then people began to discover the film. And because it is so hilariously obnoxiously bad it developed a cult following and then that leaked out onto the internet and people started doing these kind of rocky horror style screenings of it where you throw spoons Spoon. at the screen and meanwhile in, in san, san francisco, francisco yeah. and all this kind of stuff and um it grew into this thing which now you know he's had you there is the disaster artist which is a film starring seth rogan James Franco and numerous other people. Franco won a globe for it. Yes. Fucking hell, yeah. About the making of the room. And basically all of that can be traced back to a billboard, a single billboard that just happened to be placed in the right place in Los Angeles and was so weird 
and evocative, ev- <laughs> evocative in a certain sense, repulsive. That it, that it drove people to say, "What is this all about? What is this movie?" And so the very simplest tricks that go back to the twenties, yeah, still work. And if anything, they are now amplified by the power of the internet. But the thing is, just to to to, to, to take the baton from you for a second. Here, oh, okay. no, by by all means. The illusion is that success is a pattern. Mm. Caligari did it. We can do it. Yeah. Fucking Tommy Wiseau's an idiot. He can do it. Now you tell me, motherfuckers, of another Tommy Wiseau film. Yeah. He's been in talk shows. He's been. Uh, he was on the stage when Franco accepted his award. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then they cut to Hugh Jackman, who didn't get for the greatest show and best musical. <laughs> He's like, what? What? Who is this fucking? <laughs> Who's this vampiric idiot? Yeah. Um, and I'm, like, I'm a stake that motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. Van Helsing. Um, all this shit, right? It doesn't work a second time. It barely worked the first time. You cannot, or you're not, you cannot. It's so hard to actively manufacture and create that, yeah. to make that a reality. So subsequently with Tommy Zofer, I was like, what a genius. It's like, nah, sometimes, and this, this is the this is one I kind of want to, not necessarily close on, but one, a point I want to make because this is the illusion of marketing. All producers, all marketers think they know what they're talking about. And they do to a degree. But there's a SEO saying, sometimes it just doesn't work. (laughs) You can have all the things in place. You can have all the money for the viral Mm. campaign, campaign, the marketing, the interesting billboards, whatever happens to be, and nobody knows your thing is there. Nobody cares. Because as I said before, market doesn't exist in a vacuum. And it's so hard to replicate. It's So, you know, it's the from the makers of so-and-so. I remember that. The first time someone said that on a poster or a trailer, it's got so-and-so in it from the makers of this movie. Like, I like that movie. Mm. Therefore, I like this one. Probably not. But <laughs> with The Room, for example, everyone's like, oh, yeah, it's a film made for piss all mm. that is hideously bad. Mm. It's laughably shit on every single level. I despise it because every time... I, I've seen it in the cinema and I've, I, I've, I know friends who really, really love it and stuff. Um, but it's like, I get really angry because I'm like, this guy's a prick. <laughs> and every time someone goes see the film, you give him more money. Yeah. That's what pisses me off. He's like, just share the film, burn it, whatever, fine. But don't go and see it in the cinema and say spoons. I did it. I enjoyed it. It was a, it was a very theatrical environment. Mm. Back to the fucking um, William Castle. There's a fucking skeleton. Yeah. But it's not manufactured. That, that's, that's just audiences being passionate. That isn't manufactured by Tommy Wiseau saying, oh, I, he at one point said, oh, I did this intentionally. No, you didn't. No. And that's why all his subsequent projects have been a failure because he can't, he can't do it intentionally. It no. only works when he's taking himself 100% seriously. Exactly. And then some people are like saying, oh, every time you see someone pouring scotch or, or vodka into a bottle and go, scotchka, scotchka. <laughs> yeah, because they've created their own law around it, their own connection to it, which is mm. wonderful to a degree. Because it's that 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 uh, that advocacy we we're talking about earlier, mm. except it doesn't make any money until you have like oh, we're going to have special screenings and yeah, so we're going to fly Tommy was out here to sign stuff and special whatever the fuck mm. it is, but that exists in the, you know that's why you end up like 
with Comic-Con, people going to panels and sign this and, oh yeah, I'll do a speaking, I'll do a panel, mm. I'll do a thing because you'll pay me yeah, and so yeah. on and so forth. And you want to relive that thing again and again and again. But you can't then say, I've got a new project coming out. Because people will say, cool, but I don't care. Yeah. I want the same thing again. It's, it's, it's maddening, but a perfect example of like a really novel campaign, if not the most original campaign being mm. reused mm. in a novel way to the highest of success, but in no way able to capitalize on it in a lasting way. No. Madness. Well, that about wraps us up for this episode about novel, weird, unusual, unique marketing campaigns throughout the history of cinema. I hope you've enjoyed the 20th and 21st century halves of the episode. Thank you, Hyper Dude Man, for picking this. I thought it was a mm. really interesting topic. We'd maybe not mm. particularly pick ourselves. So it's nice to explore something unusual and novel in a topic on the interseason episodes. If you'd like to join the conversation, and I'm sure there'll be plenty of other examples being discussed in the community, highly recommend following us on Twitter. We are Sequelizers on Twitter, or join the Discord. Go to sequelizers.com, click on the link for the Discord. There's a little invite button there that will lead you to more than 200 fellow Sequelizers listeners. And we basically do like a post show discussion every time. So there'll be lots to discuss. Lots of trailers, lots of screenshots flying around, I'm sure. Yeah. A big discussion, funnily enough, just like the good old days of message boards and stuff. It's basically what our Discord will turn into, I assume. So yeah, highly recommend you go and check that. All three of us are there. All the EPs and VIPs and some familiar names from other podcasts we mentioned earlier on are in there as well. It's a fantastic group of people. Highly recommend you go and check out the Discord. If you'd like to contact me on any of the social media stuff or talk to me about SEO since it's come up a couple of times on the episode already, I am JLW Chambers on everything, and I also host an SEO podcast called Search with Candor, which I do as part of my day job, and you can find that on anywhere you're listening to Sequelizers. Search with Candor is also there as well. Matt, how about you and your other podcasting adventures? Stogs, S-T-O-G-H-Z, on all the social medias. You can also go to cheesemint.com to see the things that I make. You can go to theredrighthand.co.uk to see the films that I have reviewed. And I do a, a podcast called Sumo Drop Pod, which has been on hiatus for multiple reasons because of, I've been very busy with filming schedule stuff. And it will probably be back in March and then won't be on in May because I'll probably be in Japan watching the Sumo live. So that was hey. that. It's very cool. Uh, some live coverage, Matthew. Oh, fuck, I'm on holiday. Leave me the fuck alone. <laughs> I'm already filming Super Happy Kill Time pickup shots out there. Anyway, Tim. If I wanted a market of Tim's, how could I find it? Engage with my personal brand on twitter.com uh, slash trivia underscore lad. Or if you don't want to use that hellish website, uh, check me out on Letterboxd, uh, where I try and avoid future spoilers for sequelizers. <laughs> um, I'm also trivia underscore lad on there, but I'm just mostly posting old and new stuff I'm watching that has nothing to do with sequelizers. The Barbarian. Barbarian. On Disney Plus. Yeah. In the UK. Not sponsored. It's not Disney Plus in America. Don't go looking for it. <laughs> well, like I said, follow us on all the social media. Please do, as we said, share us around, review us on all of your Do podcasts. our marketing for do us. Do our marketing for Spread us. Spread us like butter, you fucks. Yeah, that. Yeah. That was good marketing, right? Sure. <laughs> Close Brought enough. to you by Anchor. <laughs> Kerry Gold Butter. The smoothest spreading of butter.
Sponsored by Sequelizers. Butter is notoriously difficult to spread. Bahar! Sorry. I'm not Irish. I'm not allowed to say that. That's true. That's your word. (laughs) But anyway, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for your support. If you do support us on Patreon, thank you for sharing us and reviewing us and all that kind of stuff you can do to support the show. We very, very much appreciate it. And we'll be back next week with another mostly unrelated topic because it's the end of the season. You never know what you're going to get. But stay tuned. If anything, if you're very clever and you are on your own little ARG, (laughs) you might know exactly what our next episode is about. I'm not going to say how, but you might. Maybe. Sponsored by Tim Needs to Take a Taxi. Yep, my taxi's here. Shit! (laughs) 